0: Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network.
1: G'day world. This is the Sniper of the Skies,
0: Robbie Eagles, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style.
2: Thank you let them have it because this is just an intro keeping the strong style six stars from the get-go boy yeah from tampa bay to the tokyo dome this is keeping it strong style with your host jeremy donovan and the young boy joshua smith and thank you for listening welcome to keeping It strong style the ace of podcasts on the social suplex podcast network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith and Bash. On today's show, we'll review Royal Quest 2, the first three nights of the Battle Autumn Tour, and cover all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You also get all the podcasts over at SocialSuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, Pro slash social suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style T-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This episode is brought to you by the NJPWEXT, the only browser extension for njpwworld.com with features like dark mode improved translation and layouts custom and share plus synchronized viewing parties and much much more it takes njpwworld to the next level you can visit njpwext.us today for details and as you guys can hear i am back yeah jeremy um i don't like doing the show without you really <laughs> well I, I, thought, I thought james did a great job uh filling in last week
0: well like i said last week if there was one person that needed to be on the show from our group that can uh kind of keep me in line that's james and uh you know it's, it's kind of a different thing when you're leading the show because i like to i like you to be the responsible one to just keep things rolling and i can just like crack jokes and like you know, do whatever I want to do. But like when I'm leading the show, I can't troll James because I have to keep things like pretty semi-professional and, you know, pretty much when he's on the show, I just want to like riff on him
2: right? and get under his skin because it's
0: funny. <laughs> but I didn't do that that much. In fact, last week, if you notice, I didn't even call him Dr. Joshi one time.
2: Yeah, you were the, the straight man last week. Had to be, had to be. <laughs> but I'm glad you're back. How uh, How was the honeymoon? How was the trip? Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, but also a um, friend of the show, Zach Porter, also asked how the honeymoon was and how hard it was to get back and to watch six shows. Um, but, yeah, the honeymoon was a, a ton of fun. We went to uh, Sedona, Arizona is where we stayed and uh, did some road tripping there. Went to the Grand Canyon, the Petrified Forest, Painted Desert. Saw the, the big meteor crater uh, out there. Saw all That's a work. meteors aren't even real bro do your own research uh well they they surely have turned into a work They you know they turn into a little you know gimmick park they make you pay go in to see you know the big hole in the ground um but yeah it it was a lot of fun um a lot of good food um saw all the great sights and sounds of sedona and arizona um then after that after the end of the week we flew over to uh California for uh, my wife's uh, younger brother's wedding in the the middle of the redwoods uh, I thought you were just going for in and out <laughs> I, I did grab some in and out on the way there uh you know can't go to California without getting some uh, in and out burger uh but yeah overall super uh fun trip um lots of good food lots of great sights and sounds uh yeah but I'm glad well, we, I'm back
0: we- we have a guest here, and um, we're going to introduce him in just one moment, but I've got one last thing to ask you, Jeremy, before we get to that. What's up? You've been you've been gone a while. I had to man the shit, okay? I know you listened to the show, but aside from that, how annoyed have you been by the way I've been running our Twitter account?
2: Bro, our, our Twitter has, like, been going crazy. <laughs> crazy
0: in a good way or crazy in a bad way or both?
2: Both, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> no it's been good a lot a lot more engagement you're throwing out a lot a lot of posts there it's all your um your um, what's the last one you just did with the um the what am i thinking of wow i'm blanking the mount right. rushmore, yes, of mount rushmore. yeah 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 that got a lot of engagement see that's a positive one but i've
0: been like getting into
2: fights with people about like 19
0: like 1800s and early 19th <laughs> century you know Pro wrestling,
2: and I, I did see yeah. somebody was like, you asked for an opinion on something, and somebody said something, and they were like, and you said they, they were wrong, and they were like, I didn't. That's how, not what happened. That's how happened. am I wrong? <laughs> no, that's not
0: what happened. That's that's not what it was at all. Some dude was like, who was the most successful wrestler who never had any great matches? And he said, not a single one. Right? That's not an opinion piece. That is, he set out some criteria. He said who had the most success but never, ever had a great match in their whole career? And there was, like, all your typical answers, Jake Roberts, Sid Vicious, Honky Tonk Man, Ultimate Warrior, Goldberg, Nash. But here's the problem, Jeremy. If the question was an opinion piece, like, who was the worst wrestler that had an incredible in-ring career, those might be acceptable answers. They asked who never had a great match. Every single person on this list for, like, hundreds and hundreds of suggestions i can easily find a great match that they had and it's not just my opinion it's like the general consensus of humans that watch wrestling you know what i mean yeah (laughs) so all i said was well i think most of these answers are not correct because all these guys have had a great match and then i threw out big daddy you know that's like the the only other answer i saw on there that sounded right is Kali. I don't think Kali ever did have a great match, but I think Big Daddy's, like, more important, probably. Some dude got pissed at me. He's like, my opinion is the only right opinion. You sound fun. And I'm like, I was just like, I should have sent Hose Mad back at him. (laughs) But I didn't want to piss you off, so I I tried to, like, stay as a, you know, professional. I mean, I think I am going to get a Twitter because my Twitter will be fucking unhinged.
2: You you should.
0: (laughs) so get get the the full hot um, takes but the whole time that i was running the twitter i was like i wonder what jeremy thinks about everything that's on this timeline when he like
2: pops in <laughs> well i mean i get the i have it on my phone so i get the notifications like somebody's like something i was like oh well i didn't post it <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh well enough about us let's go ahead and uh, introduce our guest this week
2: yeah so we have um listener of the show bash joining us uh, he was live in attendance for uh, royal quest and Want to get his uh, live um, experience, his live vantage point, since we watch it here at home. And, uh, Bash, before we jump into Royal Quest, anytime we have new guests on the show, we like to kind of find a little bit about their personal New Japan history. Uh, So when did you start watching uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling?
3: Um, Passing was probably, like, early 90s, maybe. Like, um, WCW and uh, LIGA was, like, on there and Muta. Um, I kind of heard about it from then and then like I found like Taka and then I got all the ECW tapes and Videos. video. Nice. So um, yeah, and then constantly it was probably like 2014 when AJ jumped. Mm. I think from then it's been like a constant uh, in my life to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think that was a big catalyst for a lot of people honestly having a familiar name like AJ Styles kind of made the product a little more accessible at that time?
3: Uh, for me, yeah, probably because he was quite a big name on the scene, on the obviously the independent scene, and obviously seeing him in a poster for New Japan obviously kind of like piqued my interest in the whole product.
2: Nice. Uh, so who's your favorite New Japan wrestler right now?
3: I think everybody's going to say Osprey right now, to be honest. I mean, the amount of work he's put in, this year alone has just been incredible. It's crazy what he's doing. It's non-stop, like, bang, 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 different companies, different matches, just the quality of them. Like it, It's probably going to go to Osprey.
2: So so That's, being in the UK, have you seen Osprey live a lot outside of New Japan shows?
3: Uh, not really. Like I said, I only really go to big shows, to be honest. like My first show was like Tokyo Dome 2020 and then obviously i wanted to go to the dome this year but obviously um restrictions just about got lifted and i brought tickets for the Quest question i mean the raw question so um yeah it's just the the pricing of it, it was a bit like kind of out of my range and i didn't go to tokyo Dome, unfortunately so um yeah i haven't really seen him i saw him like on the scene as not in live but just working like WC, PW, RevPro and Progress, etc. So I knew what it was doing. And then obviously when you join New Japan, it was kind of like, oh, there's another thing that I can, you know, grip my heels into. I think New Japan's got the best, um, mix of roster people from all over the world, to be honest, like, you know, Mexico, Japanese, British, just a whole different elements of styles. I think what was really like peak my fandom in New Japan.
2: Nice, absolutely. So, what's your uh, favorite New Japan match?
3: Uh, I know everyone's gonna say Kenny. A lot of people say Kenny do on there. Why is it two out of three falls? Probably, I think like just uh, the the way that match was built and the things around it was probably one of my favorite New Japan matches. To be honest,
0: and the That's- first. That's like saying, uh, you know, lots of people are going to say my favorite food is pizza. Well, you know, <laughs> everybody can't be wrong. If it's if it's good, it's good, and uh, you pick one of the best ones, obviously.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just the stuff they did was quite um, quite mind blowing at the time, obviously. And yeah. it still is. If yeah, you look that... back now, and you're just like, fucking, hell, how did they, how did they manage that?
2: Yeah, that match is absolutely incredible. I'll never forget. Yeah, watching that with Josh and Rich, and just like just being blown away and like afterward like all right what what do we do now like we, we just like watch the yeah. best wrestling match ever like what what what, what can we possibly do now <laughs> yeah you kind of
3: have that high elation don't you your dopamine is like off the charts and you like you can't you just think you're just thinking about it in your head over and over <laughs> that's what people told me
0: after they saw my uh my wrestling matches so yeah you know. <laughs>
2: Oh, man. Well, uh, let's jump into Royal Quest. Like I mentioned, Bash, you were live in attendance uh, for Royal Quest. And, of course, Josh and I, we had to watch it uh, on demand once it was finally uploaded after uh, two weeks of uh, putting the show up. Um, so I guess first, like, let's talk about your live experience. How was everything at Royal Quest getting into the building, the atmosphere, I saw you did some of the meet and greets. How was your overall experience? Uh,
3: yeah, the, the overall experience wasn't too bad. I think a lot of people had complaints about the meet and greets. To be honest, because mm-hmm. um, the first night I had a, the first day I had the ultimate combo, and obviously Johnny didn't show up, and the game had just discarded. And I asked them if he could cash in that card the next day for. Um, another meet and greet with somebody else because Jonah didn't show up. And then when I turned up the next day, they got, oh, that was only for the Saturday. And I was like, I've met everybody on the Saturday. So kind of, it was really confusing actually. And then when they brought out the single price tickets as well, that was quite confusing as well. So a lot of people felt like they got robbed on the meet and greets. But for me, it was just like, okay, but when am I going to meet everybody again? You never know, do you? So. Uh, I gave a kind of Jaffa cakes as well, so that was pretty much my highlight. So
0: did they end did they end up um you know giving you a replacement the next day? Uh not at all.
3: They said I told them about it and I mentioned it to them, but they said no, that was just for Saturday. So I was like, how can there be that how can it be just for Saturday when obviously the person's not there? Like when you've met every- you didn't get a refund on, on the no show? I'm trying um, to Tried to contact Revpro, they just no selling me completely. Like I'm up to contact him on Twitter um, asked him said, you know, what's going on. Pa- apart from sending like a personal DM to them um, to just no sold me about the whole situation. Which is yeah. a, bit, a bit shit. Like it will only be 30 quid or whatever, but you know, 30 quid 30 quid it. Mean, so.
0: Was was the was it run directly by
3: Revpro or was New
0: Japan's uh, office at all involved in booking it?
3: I'm not sure, because you only buy the tickets, He brought them off the Red Pro site, so he must have been can Pro. I can't, I can't blame New Japan, to be honest. Well, I mean, I,
0: this is just me speaking. I wasn't there. I don't know the specifics, but I would reach out to New Japan and say what happened, you know, because even if, uh, like, let's say, whether it's intentional or not, if they're not responding to you on the, the English side of it, they are partners. It is a New Japan event, even if, like, it's being facilitated by the office of Repro. their name and brand is tied to it. And that's something that falls under their purview. Um, and you're not the only person we've heard, you know, reports of things like this from. So I, I would reach out to both companies. I'd go public as fuck. Like <laughs> I would be, I would be blasting them. I'd be tweeting <laughs> the shit out of it because that's kind of ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I've never, I've never heard of uh, someone no showing and then, the, and then the company, you know, being like we got
3: your money kid yeah it's kind of like that to be honest it's like oh we've got your money enough you know go do one but like i said 30 quid is just, it's not a change, changes it is but it's still money at the end of the day it's the principle and it it's not the actual money it's the principle of it all right like, you yeah, pay for yeah. like um something and you expect something else i understand you couldn't make it that's fine you know hurricanes and you like, obviously went through a terrible time with it and, you know, if you can't travel, you can't travel. But, you know, if they're giving you something in replacement for it, if they said there's no replacement, that's fine. Like, if they say, oh, you give, we're not going to give you no more meet and greets or a refund on it or whatever, at least they've put it out in plain terms instead of giving me this little card and saying that you can use it tomorrow or whatever, which is, apart from that, yeah, it, it wasn't too bad, I'll be honest. I can't. don't want to harp on about it, to be yeah. honest.
2: Yeah, so let's talk well, about your your experience at the show, like, watching the show and the matches. How was, like, the atmosphere in the crowd?
3: Uh, the, the crowd seemed the first night pretty fired up, to be honest. And then the second night, there was a bit of a lull. Um, I don't know if that's because, like, people went to work on Monday and the Saturday night. Some people just come for the Saturday, and some people came for both nights. Mm-hmm. So I think the crowd energy kind of, like, dulled out on the Sunday. I don't know if you can tell, like, watching it live, but... I mean, on demand. Sorry, not live. But um, yeah, it kind of dulled out a bit, and like there was a lot of empty seats on the Sunday. I'll be honest. There was like there was like we were in a row. Like I was in a row, and most of that row was empty. And then the front of that row was empty, kind of empty as well. So you know, everybody did once everybody sat down, we all just jumped, like a row or two ahead. And nobody said anything about it. I don't know if that's bad procedure or what. I remember currently is not telling you anything, then we all just jump to a closer view, to be honest.
0: Well, before we get into the review, what was your, you know, do you have general thoughts on your live experience, you know, things you like, things you didn't like, stuff that stuck out to you, that sort of
3: thing? Uh, I think British cows are pretty, pretty crazy, to be honest. Yeah. And I mean, the things they were chatting, I was like, Okay, biscuits don't really go with gravy. But I'm a British person, right? Because I come from a different kind of background. I don't really have gravy. Like, come from a back, <laughs> and a back- and i My background says more curries and stuff in it. So, okay, biscuits. Yeah, biscuits fine. But you're not gonna have biscuits with gravy. Maybe a cup of tea and stuff like that. And like, <laughs> The fuck the Tories bit was quite funny, like, everybody shouting fuck the Tories, but I don't think that's going to change the political cons- consensus in England. I don't think <laughs> the Tories watch New Japan Pro Wrestling, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's one of them. I mean, it's like you're not screaming out fuck Republicans at the New York show or something like that, and its I don't think it's going to change, like, anybody's opinion on what's going on, but it is what it is, isn't it? It wasn't too bad. I'll be honest. It, it was, you know, a lot of people come out because if it were, if there was no FTR as the open, I think a lot of people would be complaining more than they probably have done. I'll be honest.
4: Mm.
2: Yeah, and I know for you, it's probably hard. I mean, you said your first ever wrestling show was a Wrestle Kingdom. And going from the Tokyo Dome and having to compare that to every live experience you have after that, like you, like I said, off the air, like you set the bar pretty high for yourself. Oh uh, no, yeah, that's like the
3: creme de la creme, and it's like, <laughs> uh, that's like, that's just like the dream, in it. and I've I've done it, and it's like, oh, you go to other wrestling shows, I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel the same. But sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, Wrestle Kingdom is not as as amazing as people think it is, not on on paper or on card, and. When you're actually there, it's just a different, different thing, I guess.
4: Hmm. Nice. Like I
3: said, if you two can do it, you should do it this year, just because your dollars is worth more than it's more probably worth more than cryptocurrency, right? Now.
2: <laughs> in some cases, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about uh, each of these nights here. Talk about the matches. We won't go super in depth on some of the um, undercard tag stuff, uh, but we'll get your thoughts on some of these matches and. Feel free to jump in if there's one that you want to go a little bit longer on uh, since you were there live. Uh, so we'll start with night one. Uh, show opened up. We had a returning Gabriel Kidd defeating Dan Maloney 9 minutes and 19 seconds. I thought this was a, a great way to kick off the show. Big fan of Gabriel Kidd. And since Dan Maloney has left NXT UK, he's put on a ton of muscle mass, and he's gotten a ton better. I've seen some of his other Rev Pro stuff, and this was, uh, I think, the perfect opening uh, matchup for the show.
3: Uh, yeah, I think this was like probably one of the best matches on the first night. To be honest, like uh, it's great to see Gabriel Kidd back doing his thing. Um, I know he's got a match with Tanahashi coming up soon on Strong, so that's really interesting to see him go from like this match to straight to Tanahashi. To be honest, but um, yeah, it was a good opening. I think Dan Manone did pretty pretty well as well. I thought they both put on a they both kicked each other you know, keep, keep, keep the crap out of each other, basically. And, um, you know, Gabe Kidd is... I uh, hope he's doing well, you know. It seems yeah. like, anyway.
0: Yeah, I thought that this match was just an outstanding opener for this type of show, you know. Um, th- this is one of those matches that I kind of point to when, if you ever want, do want to criticize the idea of, like, star ratings, because this match was a perfect opener you know what i mean like for what they wanted it to be sub 10 minutes go out there work your asses off like really pop the crowd show physicality and and entertain that's what they did and you know probably in the right context these guys could probably have a a, a really compelling main event i was super impressed with both guys um and dan maloney's not the only one that's put on some muscle mass i mean gabe kidd is looking huge from the last time that we've seen him so that's a that's another good thing as well, but yeah, just really, really impressed with uh, the showing from both these guys, and um, very much looking forward to, you know, provided Gabe Kid is back and, in action and ready to go, I'm very much looking forward to what the future holds for him
2: in New Japan. Yeah, definitely, and I, I totally agree with you on your star rating point, because as I was watching this and trying to rate it, I was like... At first, I was like really super high on it, and I started looking on cage match and grapple, and people were like super low on it. But I'm like, man, they were slapping the crap out of each other, like great suplexes, ton of fire. Like, I don't know. I, cra- think, I into think it's it. just
0: like a an opening match bias, or like a you know, what uh, there's there's um, it's not a coincidence that longer matches tend to get rated higher. There's just that proclivity people have the longer the match goes the more epic it was but this was a perfectly great 10-minute you know sprint that was just really physical I thought it was awesome
3: yeah I like the like the little smack talking between them as well like down going, you got a new dojo boy and things like that I thought that was quite interesting as well because like English people like to shit talk each other <laughs> So, uh, I watch a lot of uh, Love
0: Island, so I can
3: attend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel sorry for you, man.
0: How? It's the sorry. greatest show that humanity has ever produced. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. So moving on, moving on to the next match, we had uh, Michael Oku and Ricky Knight Jr. They teamed up to defeat the United Empire team of Gideon Gray and the Great Ocon, 12 minutes and 17 seconds. Um quick tag match here um putting the spotlight on two of Rev Pro's top stars michael oku rkj who just defeated osprey not too long ago to become the undisputed Rev pro british champion and so yeah i think really it's kind of highlighting those, those two guys here uh
3: yeah i think michael oku is i've seen him here and there i saw the match he had with osprey and i thought that was really good and i think that he did some spot where he dived right into the crowd, didn't he? Like, he may yeah. have over or something. And I was like, you know, when we actually saw him, we were thinking, like, wow, he's he's putting his working shoes in it. So I, I'm surprised he hasn't been over to New Japan yet, to be honest. In a junior role or something like that. But, you know, there's only so many spots in it, I suppose. But yeah, I hope he gets a look in, I guess. It was a like, decent little tag, you know. That's what it, it was remaining. Yeah, this was fine.
0: Um, I think part of it that was great was Gideon Gray sort of reestablishing Ocon as being this like, you know, okay. primetime player that came from the UK and was undefeated while he was there and yada
3: yada yada. And,
0: and it it get really
3: undefeated, undefeated. Yeah. Gonna shut up at some point and that really uh solidified for
0: people that were unaware this connection that and i thought kevin kelly and chris Charlton did a great job kind of illustrating to the connection between the legion faction and gideon gray and his ties to the you know formation of uh the united empire even if it's a bit of a retcon it it all logically makes sense it's uh kind of worked itself out so that's been cool and then yeah um i'm impressed with all four guys i think getting gray has been outstanding in new japan since he got here as this uh you know shit face little weasel guy (laughs) that just gets beat and he you know that's been hilarious and i think
3: my favorite thing about him is he wears his blazer and his tweed coat and it's like he's just a button Yeah, he
0: wears that he'll wear that (laughs) out with
3: like just his trunks on still
2: yeah it's hilarious it's
3: like like wearing a bodysuit it looks like he's wearing a bodysuit yeah it's like so weird it's so pasty (laughs) (laughs) but um as far as Oku and rkj go
0: both of these guys from what i've seen i'm super high on them obviously red pro is as well and i i do think that they're two of the more promising prospects that new japan might want to bring in for different tournaments or get a look at or you know, try out a little bit here. So uh thought the match was fine, but yeah, definitely impressed with those guys.
2: Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Oku sometime down the future. And who knows, we have a Super Junior Tag League coming up. Um, looks like it's going to be 10 teams, and, you know, there's not 10 um, domestic Japanese teams. So who knows, maybe you bring in Oku and somebody else from Rev Pro to fill a spot come uh, this um, tournament. So uh, moving on to the next match, we had Alex Windsor and Ava White defeating Jazzy Gabbard and Kanji. Six minutes, 18 seconds. Since it was a, a preview for the Ava White and Jazzy Gabbard match that would happen on night two, all part of the IWGP women's uh, tournament.
0: The stopwatch fans should have definitely been tweeting at the show. Six minutes. That's. It's far too too little time for a women's match in New Zealand. I, I don't understand.
3: I feel sorry for them. Everybody just ran for the toilets and just, <laughs> and then just went to the bar and stuff. And I was like, it's it's quite disrespectful in a sense, to be honest, because obviously they've been put on the card for the reason. Right. You know, like some, a lot of people like to take the piss out of women's wrestling or whatever, but. They were working. Is the finish was a bit flat. Like nobody knew what happened. we're sitting there, like, oh, what, what happened to Kanji? Like things like that. And I don't know. I just felt sorry for him on both nights. To be honest, it, it, it's just not nice. Personally, in my opinion, like you can do what you want if you brought a ticket. But if you're there, and you know, you know, there's a women's match on the card. At least pay him a bit of respect, even if it's not
2: great. I think. One issue is just most of the people didn't know who these women were. I think the most recognizable right. name here is Jazzy Gabbert, and most people probably recognize that name just from the May Young Classic, and probably don't even realize like her history of wrestling in Japan for stardom. And so I think these other women, like I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't recognize these women's names before they were announced. I'm, I'm assuming they they're used on UK Indies and Rep <laughs> Pro and stuff, but I don't, I haven't really seen much of the other ladies' names, and so these lays weren't yeah. over and so i think if you if you're going to run for the bathroom you're going to go for a match where you don't know who the people are yeah i mean it's double edged I, I i definitely see what you're saying there bash
0: and i mean you know it, could there be like a sexist element to it absolutely but at the same time i agree with you jeremy if they haven't really established these wrestlers and they're not known commodities it like let's just assume it were like let's say that this was four green guys from the uk scene that nobody knew that'd probably be the bathroom break so um i think it kind of cuts both ways but you know aside from all that the fact that they did get an opportunity to wrestle in front of this crowd you know on this sort of stage that platform that is a good thing um i don't have much to say about this match it was fine but uh i i liked the singles match the second night much better
2: yeah same here So, following that, we had the LIJ team of Hiromu, Sonata, and Tetsuya Naito. They defeated the Sugun team of Doki, El Desperado, and Zack Sabre Jr. And this was previewing the Naito Sabre match that would main event the second night. Uh, Yeah, seeing all my
3: favorites in the ring together in a six man tag was pretty fun, I I guess. It was like everybody was, everybody loves Doki secretly. Like, we all just love him. I'm surprised he tweeted that picture and nobody came to see him on a Saturday, which is a bit sad. But yeah, I think it was a good tag. It's, it's like trying to remember something from like two weeks ago is quite hard. <laughs> 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 a month ago is quite hard because I've got a brain fog from COVID and it's on my short term memory is pretty bad, unfortunately. Now, the main standout matches I can probably talk about a lot more, sorry, but it was a fine match for me personally.
0: No worries, uh, that was something I was going to ask you. Did you ever get a chance, uh, to watch these live after having attended, uh, or I'm sorry, watch them, watch the replay after having watched the shows live?
3: I was trying to watch them back, I was going to, but then obviously, Battle Autumn and then Strong kind of took precedence in it because obviously. Mm tv title tournaments going on right now but i do want to watch them back just just to see how the quality is on the production to be honest yeah
0: that's that's why i was going to ask because you know i know for me uh there have been times where i've gone and seen a live show and then i'll go and rewatch it and it's like almost sometimes a totally different viewing experience you know what i mean
3: yeah yeah that's why I'm, I'm like there was a picture of like ftr took and dax was, Somebody put it on his Twitter, and then my friends are like circling me out in the crowd. <laughs> mark, like, there's you, you mark. <laughs> um,
0: as far as this match goes, though, I thought it was outstanding. I thought it was probably, um, you know, of the undercard matches, probably my favorite until we got to like the semi main event. Um, and, it, you know, it's what we've said time and time again just how cohesive. Um, LIJR when it comes to these multi-man tags. And then you have ZSJ, Desperado, and Doki in there who are very, very, very familiar with these, you know, counterparts and wrestling them time and time again. Um, everyone was just kind of on, you know, all cylinders and just sort of uh, in sync with each other. This match really flowed. And like like you, Bash, I don't have a specific thing that I remember to pick out about it, but um, I definitely enjoyed it quite a
3: bit. Who do you think is better, like, at the multi-man tags? Is it United Empire or LIJ, or do you think they're on par? Because, like, at the moment, I think United Empire is just edging it on the multi-man tags.
2: Yeah, that's a tough question because, yeah, those both units are incredible. Also, we have a longer experience watching LIJ together. And and since 2017, when we started the show, like, that group has always gelled so well together. Then you add in, you know, Shingo Takagi, and now they've also added Teton. (laughs) I I think no matter what combo they have, they've been great. But then also you look at the United empire yeah. they've built up in the, the, established team of Aussie open, then o- Ocon and Jeff Cobb and TJP and Akira, they're a great team. And then Osprey, like, you know, empire, like pretty much everybody in that group singles is like a great, like singles wrestler. And then you put them together and it's like, just really fun to watch. I, I don't think that United empire as a whole,
0: meaning you could put any combination together will be on the same level as uh, LIJ is in that regard. With LIJ, it doesn't matter which members you put together. They always, always hit on that level. And I think it might even – it's not even just so much the talent. I think they probably have a match layout or structure that they follow that just allows that to be the case. But um, I definitely think there are certain combos of
2: United Empire that are not far off. Yeah, like Osprey and Oscee Open, like them as a trios is just incredible. Uh, so let's move on now to the next matchup. We had uh, the Chaos team of Kazuchika Okada and Tomohiro Ishii. They defeated Bad Dude Tito and Zack Knight. Zack Knight was replacing Jonah. Like we mentioned, Jonah had some fight issues due to Hurricane Ian wasn't able to make it over for these Royal Quest shows.
3: Yeah, fucking Hurricane Ian. <laughs> uh, no, like... um yeah it was all right it wasn't too bad it was like seeing okada and ishii together i think bad dude was kind of doing a lot of the heavy lifting because obviously um zach knight kind of got put in last minute wasn't it and then it was previewing okada and tijon for the night before i mean the night after sorry and um having suji come out after the match though was quite um interesting um obviously we'll get onto that in a bit but that to me that was the most interesting part really after the match to be honest sorry
0: the, the last time i saw zach knight was in fighting for my family so glad <laughs> to see my dog still on the scene doing his thing no i've actually never seen zach knight wrestle prior to this so that was uh interesting and you know what's funny for the live audience it probably would have been really cool to see okada and jonah face to face and you know the preview and yada, yada it would have been a really awesome moment but for me this worked because Jonah already got beat by Okada and we're watching this out of order. So what, what do I want to watch Jonah and Okada again for it's, you know, there's no need. I, he beat that man. It's over. Yeah. Benito finished clean. So, um, this kind of made sense to me. It was like, Oh, it, it's, it's his underlings trying to get revenge and it, but it didn't work. <laughs> um, match was fine. I think a lot of this for most of the fans was more so seeing Ishii and, uh, You know, Okada go out there and sort of do their thing. And I did like the post-match where they brought out Suji to kind of be the replacement for Jonah on Night 2.
2: Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was a whole, you know, mystery. Who's going to take Jonah's spot? And, yeah, it was cool that they chose Suji, who's been on Excursion in Rev Pro. He's a member of the Legion, although we didn't really see him have any interactions with Gideon Gray on uh, this particular show. Uh, But, yeah, he's in in that heel faction. He's been feuding with Shota Umino. Had a strap match not too long ago. Um, so, yeah, it was cool to see him. And this was kind of his first appearance on a New Japan branded show since he's been on excursion. So, uh, following that, we had the team, the Girls of Destiny team, Hekaleo, Jado, and Tamatanga, teaming up with Hiroshi Tanahashi. They defeated the Bull Club team of Doc Gallows, Gato, Jay White, and Carl Anderson. 12 minutes and 15 seconds.
0: The
4: devil and the, the distance. Distance.
0: I, don't, <laughs> I don't i don't I, I don't know the words i just know where it says the devil and then i go
3: hey.
0: i don't i don't know the words so i just kind of groan.
3: <laughs> uh yeah kind of like just, i wish i would have met billy anderson now because he's fucked off and to the head <laughs> like i suppose this match doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things now does it i mean <laughs> Does <laughs> any good brother's match ever matter in the grand scheme of things? No. <laughs> you know, I think everybody was hyped for Tamatonga, to be honest. I think that was the, like everybody's singing around to the you old know, ain't nobody really and gorilla. Like everybody was hyped for that. And the match wasn't too bad. The interactions between Tama and Jay were quite fun a um, personally but, but the crowd was pretty uh, pumped up for that interaction for declaration of power to be honest it was just a preview tag for like declaration of power wasn't it to be honest
0: you know um this wasn't necessarily a great match or anything but it was exactly what you just described a preview tag and i recall like when we were in st Pete a couple of years ago and they had a you know a elimination tag team match bull club versus hauntai just seeing Tanahashi wrestle, it didn't have to be a high profile match. It was like, holy shit! Like, there's Tanahashi, you know, and there's Tamatonga, and there's Hikaleo, and you know, there's the Good Brothers, and that's kind of what this match for me, what it it sort of was, was like,
3: wasn't the, the-, the Straight Brothers?
0: <laughs>
3: no, <laughs> Sorry. but
0: you know, for the for the live audience there, it's like. Okay, they didn't give them maybe as high profile matches as they did for Royal Quest One. That's true. But this is a great opportunity for a lot of those fans who've never been to a live New Japan event to kind of see these guys go out there and, you know, make an appearance and do their thing. And the crowd was very, very hot for Tamatanga, very, very hot for Tanahashi. And it also felt like Hikaleo, who also has spent some time over in Red Pro over the, you know, over the course of the pandemic, really all seemed to be getting awesome responses so
2: yeah same here i thought it was a a fun matchup good preview tag and you know we've we've also all saying you know ain't nobody real than gorilla live in person at a show new japan show it is fun to get behind uh tam tonga's music uh but yeah tamma doing a great job getting over as a face hikaleo as well in his new role and like you mentioned previewing the declaration of power title match that happened already uh but yeah these guys you know, when I heard did their thing, and like Josh said, it's, it's, this match was mainly about, like, just kind of seeing the names. I know a lot of people complained about some of the matches on this Royal Quest, and they wanted more singles matches and more, maybe, bigger matches. But for people who, if this was your first time seeing a New Japan show live, then, yeah, so your first time seeing Tanahashi, and that's a pretty big deal.
3: Can I ask a question? Yeah. Do you think, like, Tamatonga going from heel to face has been one of the best success stories in new japan in recent years personally for me it probably has been just to see that turnaround and in clap crowds as well in like the covid era like no cheering and things like that the way they've done it has been masterful personally and that, that's just my opinion I think. well you know th- it's funny you
0: kind of bring that up um i had a conversation with rich from uh one nation radio what's up rich and um we had discussed how in the old days, a company like WWF or WCW, they were really good at taking guys and bringing them in from the beginning of their careers, taking them through the tag routes, taking them into the mid-card status, and eventually elevating them to like be a real, true main event player. And it's felt like since Edge in the mid-2000s, they really don't do that with almost anybody anymore like they have they, they just don't have a track record of success unless you want to count like an nxt club, which they fucked most of those up anyways um but new japan we definitely see that sort of thing occur with the young lions but it's over a very long period of time and you know many of them that are in the system now we're still kind of trying to figure out where they're going to wind up i do think that uh with tamatanga this is a guy that we've seen him from the early days and him come up through the rankings and be a fall guy in bullet club. And then eventually be, you know, a tag team specialist and a, a mid Carter. And then now eventually, you know, he seems to be that upper mid almost main event status. And uh, it's been pretty brilliant the way that they've kind of maneuvered him along. And he's also maneuvered his career along and, you know, um, glad that I'm here for it. And I I can't wait to see if it's going to continue to progress or not.
2: Yeah, I thought the whole turn has been great. You know, Tanton is a guy that we've kind of been hot and cold on, just depending on what's been going on with him. Um, especially, you know, you, you look back, what was it, G one, I think it was twenty eighteen or it's the twenty eighteen G one Yeah, where he just did not have, Yeah, just did not have a good G one that year and you know, they were doing the whole bull club Civil War thing and I just wasn't into him then, but now like this turn, like there's some guys that they work out better in certain positions, and I think Tama is one of these guys where he just works out better as Bay Face. He has all that, that fire. He has the kind of quick evasive moves. But with his history in New Japan, you know he's built that you know respect with the crowd. The crowd kind of sees him as a homegrown kind of guy, and so I think all the, the pieces are aligning together perfectly for him right now, and really enjoying this run. And like I said two weeks ago, had this not been the build to Wrestle Kingdom. I think giving him a shot with the title would have been something cool to do. He's the only person I see wrestling nikes as well, pretty much in New Japan.
3: I don't know if that's an odd thing to notice, but I did ask him about it when I met him. And I thought that was just really interesting because obviously, I don't know what the difference between boots and trainers are. The
0: the main issue uh, when you're wrestling, you want to make sure you have a flat uh, sole so that you don't rip or tear the canvas and also have good traction. So, I mean, um, you look at like John Cena, he he wears, you know, like Jordans and some other guys, you know, there are definitely some shoes out there that you could wear that have flat soles, but other than that, they're going to, it's going to be like a boxing or a wrestling boot, you know?
2: So then uh, following that semi-main event of the evening, we had Will Ospreay defeating shooter Shoto Umino by referee's decision 15 minutes and 30 seconds. I thought this match was awesome. I thought it was one of uh, Shooter's best singles matches since he's been on Excursion. and Kind of a, a key to the story of this match, uh, his dad, Red Shoes Uno, was the referee and really has not been seen on screen with Shooter since um, Shooter's been on Excursion and developed this new character. So that that played into the, the finish of the match, uh, but overall, like I said, Oh, shooter looked really good here. There's a lot of great uh, back and forth sequences here. Yeah, bam bang, bang shooter. Um
3: shooter's really interesting, just where he's at right now. And Osprey is just making everybody look good from like Finney to just anybody he's in the ring with, like Osprey is just you can have a match with a broomstick probably and get a three-star match out of it. So shooter right I know everyone's comparing him to like a young Tanahashi and it's just like interesting just to, I don't know why everybody's comparing him to Tanner, maybe because of the look, but he wrestles a bit differently, I think. And, um, the finish was a bit odd. Everybody in the crowd was like, oh, you know, Osprey's raining down elbows, and like, um, Red Shoes comes in to stop it. And I, like, my thesis was like, he's protecting his kid from mm. getting more injured. And that could play into a longer term story when Shooter comes back. To new japan and maybe like challenges offspring without like um his dad being the referee maybe it's like a little you know what i mean they're giving them little nuggets or whatever they call them yeah Yeah, it might be one of them because a lot of people were just wondering what happened at the finish but obviously i looked at it from a storyline perspective probably
0: yeah at the um end of last year these guys had a match in rev pro that was pretty well received in fact i think generally speaking um most of the reviews i'm seeing liked the first match better but um i'll tell you this almost the entire time i was watching this match i thought that this was the superior match until the finish like the whole time i was like how could anybody rate this worse like shota was in much better shape the flow of the match was much better uh umino didn't look like a guy that was literally literally being carried by osprey like he did in november of last year he looked like a guy that was every step on par with him even if they weren't going to the tip top level of a a match he was right there at that top you know main event level quality with him and he didn't look out of place at all a lot of his strikes were just super crisp the timing was awesome the match was fantastic but down the stretch They go into that sequence where at the end of it, um Osprey ends up hitting him with the high angle uh power power bomb, the lager bomb, and then and then ends up on his back and ends up pounding him out. And Red Shoes did finish did call, you know, call for the bell very quickly, which I I definitely left the English crowd that was there, you know, upset and also uh well, I should say UK, I don't know what the proper (laughs) term is, but UK is fine. UK. But yeah. um, you know, I do think that the difference here okay, so like this this finish was probably more flat, and probably the reason why it's, the match overall is receiving a little slightly lesser reviews. But aside from that, I think this is a more important move because I'm sure Shoto Mino is not far away from coming back to New Japan. And this is only the second time in his whole career that Red Shoes is actually ref any of his matches. The first one was during his uh, debut in Shinjuku Face. So there, there is an element that maybe uh, Red Shoes called for the bell prematurely because he was protecting his son. And that might be a conflict of interest when he comes back to the company. The other reality, though, is it might have nothing to do with that because there was criticism earlier in the year when Sonata got hurt in the match against Will and they weren't calling for the bell and he was just beating the shit yeah. out of him, and ended up like, you know, p- putting him on the shelf, essentially, whether that was intentional or not, he ended up getting injured. So um, I also think that they could go that way with it or even possibly play a little bit with both sides. But as far as the match goes, very, just an excellent, excellent back and forth. And uh, I think that this, this gave me a lot more confidence about show Amino's, future when he comes back and last thing jeremy before i kick it to you the crowd on fire they i mean for both guys but especially for osprey he feels like next level over there right now
2: yeah osprey's reaction was just um incredible obviously the big osprey 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 chance and there you're all behind will osprey and i totally agree with you josh i agree overall i like this match better than the rev pro match even with the kind of wonky finish like you mentioned. Shooter was an in incredible shape. His crowd connection is there with the whole, you know, the shooter chance and that John Moxley connection. Um, it was just better wrestling, in my opinion. Like you said, that ref pro match, I felt like that was a complete carry job, whereas Shooter was holding his own. And I felt in this match, and then they they come down to the end there where he's raining the elbows on the back and stops very quickly. And like you were mentioning, yeah, the the English commentary team, the whole match. Chris Charlton was kind of speculating like. You know, a shooter has the referee in his back pocket. Like, this is unfair for your dad to referee match. And then he throws the elbows, and or Red Shoes calls it immediately. And they were kind of speculating, you know, hey, he's trying to protect this kid. And like you mentioned, Josh, throwing back the Sonata match, we saw what happened there and how he kind of let Osprey unleash on Sonata, which ended up putting Sonata on the shelf. So, like you mentioned, they can go either way. But I think, it seems like they were kind of leaning more, like, you know, Red Shoes kind of using his power to kind of protect his son and get the win there. But it also kind of leaves like an out for shooter for a potential rematch. Like, shooter can be like, hey, you know, I didn't tap out. You didn't pin me. Like, I could have lasted a lot longer. My, my dad was the one that was trying to protect me. And I think eventually I could see sometime, sometime down the line the shooter beating Will Ospreay finally in a big match.
0: My, my feeling is if they bring Shota Umino back in day one to New Japan and they start off with this feud, obviously he's going to lose the first match. And well, maybe not, but more than likely to me that he's either going to lose the first match or he's going to lose the program. And this would just kind of be uh, a stepping stone to get there. I'd much rather prefer that he comes back through an alternate route, having nothing to do with Will Ospreay. And then this is just a breadcrumb for later on when they do, once he's had a little bit of seasoning and they're ready to do the real program and it's like you never even really did beat me back then it was a bad stoppage and it's like very questioned as to if they hadn't stopped it what would have happened you know right and i feel like that might be give it a little bit more juice down the line as opposed to just bringing him right back into this you know saying four months or whatever
2: yeah
3: yeah it's pretty interesting and like i was listening to one of the previous shows and they kind of built this as a main event didn't they and I think they did a good job of putting it as a semi-main. Obviously we'll get on to the next match in a minute. But um yeah, the whole Osprey chance and just that's just a natural British thing, isn't it? Just to chatting your hometown people's name, I guess. But I suppose the second night was a bit mixed, but yeah. I'll leave it at that and we'll get to the next match.
2: Yeah, so the next match, the main event, the the highly uh, polarizing matchup here for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Title match. The team of FTR Cash Wheeler and Dax Hardwood they defeated the Aussie Open team of Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis 31 minutes and 59 seconds. We know we saw on Twitter after this match happened. Uh, FTR, uh, Bald Dax Hardwood, um, you know talking about how much people need to watch this match and getting a lot of praise. We saw the cage match ratings from people who attended live who had it up there like 9.70. And we've heard all kinds of things about just how incredible this match was live. And now that the match has been released, people have been watching. Some people have been lower uh, on the match. Some people have been super high on the match. Uh, so Bash, you were there live from the live experience to you, what do you think about this match? Do you think this is a, a match of the year contender? Being there live, probably,
3: yeah, it blew everybody's collective minds at the same time. And I've got like, a little inside story about the color that happened. So um Dax is on the apron, and uh, he's asking for a towel to wipe the blood off. But the person on the ring apron, I mean, the ring attendant, she's only got a bottle of water trying to give him the water he's like no no i don't want the water i want a towel and this guy's back to give him the british flag and he's like no no i'm not (laughs) wiping off it's like a chris jericho
0: thing
4: (laughs) yeah
3: yeah and i was like this i was like i should have brought a towel from the fucking hotel now and just took it at him because i was that close you know i was like a role i wasn't in the front row i was a role behind and but then i think like without that if you then wipe the blood off or whatever, I don't think it'll be as highly rated as it would be. Like, I don't know how the colour happened or who got busted up, and they both got busted up pretty bad. But um, collectively, I think it's one of the best matches of the year, tag matches or like, singles in New Japan, personally. Just the sequences and the moves that were going on and just just the whole experience of it. And the live crowd was losing their shit. I mean, like literally losing their shit that mind-blowing, one guy next to me is like, oh, after every new finish. And I'm like, man, <laughs> man, I don't even, I don't drink it. Because uh, when I was in hospital, have, when I was in the coma, they gave me a detox. So I'm not allowed to drink anymore. So um, with COVID again, like loads of different things. So I'm not allowed to drink anymore. So I was sober throughout it all. And if I'd say being sober, if you're a drunk and you're watching it, it's probably extra enjoyment. But being <laughs> sober and being in the moment and losing my shit like because i don't do that after i'm quite a calm person and i was like oh my god like it's just incredible from start to finish I, I, like i don't know like what, what is like watching it on tape it might have been different yeah um
0: this was a, a a very interesting match and this is something we i guess we need to address now we probably should have addressed it before we even uh started our review it took 15 days for New Japan to get this show up on njpwworld.com and I understand some of the reasons for that like they didn't have Kevin Kelly and Chris available to do the commentary uh, because of travel issues that sort of thing they also you know said that there was that uh the Crystal Palace is notorious for having bad internet and uh, you know issues with broadcasting, so they were very nervous that that might come into play. Plus, it was very clear that this wasn't New Japan's video team that was out there. This was either RevPros Pro's or some other you know third party that they mm-hmm. hired in the uh, in the state or yeah, the country. Yeah, I think it was.
3: I think it was Pros, to be honest.
0: Cause... Well, the only reason I speculate is because it it did seem to be of a better quality than what we've seen at a Rev Pro pretty much in the last like three or four years so that's good but um at the same time it really honestly shouldn't take 15 days to get your show up on the network especially when it's two major shows that are being you know advertised and and built up and
3: and i think the main thing is the problem is when the shows are bleeding into other shows like yeah location of power and like you know it has got ramifications for other things it's kind of like then these shows become mute points now They're just like right well even it, if they like this one sorry. in a lot of ways didn't necessarily feel like
0: everything on the show was um it didn't feel like a non-canon show like a saudi arabia show where it's just happening on its own but there was a little bit of an element to that so that maybe helped the blow but at the end of the day just from an optics standpoint, it shouldn't take 15 days to get a show like this up on your network. WWE and AEW, and I, I hate to throw out comparisons, but they're the market leaders. They're your big, you know, competition. In fact, I'll just say it too. Noah, for instance, or stardom, they wouldn't take 15 days to get this show up either. That's and not only what you brought up, Bash, the fact that it, you know, messes with the continuity of the shows. But it's also the idea that fan interest is at a peak at a certain point and when other shows have already happened and the rest of the world's moved on 15 days later it's like how many people that could have and would have watched this and maybe subscribed to your network or you know gotten into new japan or whatever how much how much of that was
3: diminished and i would guess probably a lot to be honest but to say with wrestling is what have you done for me lately? And it because moves so yep. quickly and so cyclical, but that 15-day delay between people like tweeting it about it and the life people enjoying it and everyone's like, Oh, you need to watch this and it's not there available for you to watch. Right. Unless somebody's gonna, you know, you probably you private job of it on their phones. But <laughs> you must yeah, you know, you've got 4K sixty on your phone these days. I mean the Apple phone can flip in Probably wouldn't have taken that much. All right. And you could have watched it pretty much in decent quality, but you know, at the end of the day, like fifteen days is a long time. Two weeks is it's so long in pro wrestling because everything's just flipped on its head.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's embarrassing and it's unacceptable, Jeremy. What what were your thoughts
2: sorry. on that? Yeah, I mean, we're in the year twenty twenty two. Like this is not the tape trading era. Like we should. That's what I felt like. We're waiting, <laughs> waiting on somebody to send me the the tape of, of this FTR match so we can finally watch it and then trade. Well, them Bro, something you about- saw
0: you saw my joke that I was like Backlund and,
2: and Ric Flair. You know, right? Like <laughs> it's like
0: Tom McGee and Bret Hart.
2: <laughs> uh, and I totally get it. like you're saying, Josh, about you know, all right we know the building's not good for broadcasting live. Like there's a whole bunch of reasons why they didn't want to, to air it live. I get that. Cause we know that the Royal Quest one 2019, right. That tons of production issues for that show. Um, so I get that. But however, I still felt like there are other methods you could use to get that up faster. Um, and if really getting Kevin Kelly and uh, Chris Strong on the call was um that big, like, I don't know, I thought like it should, it should have been a priority thing to kind of get them to record that or maybe they should, they should have used a, a Rev Pro commentary team or something because, I mean, they could have recorded this uh, a live tape model where you're recording it as it's live and then you go back later and upload it so that it's up immediately uh, and I feel like that would have been a, a better process here instead of waiting 15 days and again, I don't get, like, why it took, and I don't know if it was the, the commentary that was the main holdup editing like i don't really see too much editing because i mean there's the camera work was kind of shaky in a lot of matches they... well um... i, I can't I can tell you jeremy that i heard some things while you were
0: out this past week i was the connect i was the i was the head honcho <laughs> the one people are talking to but uh, you know i i did hear that there were like production snafus that were going on behind closed door prior to them actually being able to release it so
3: gotcha. if that, if that On this show, was did you see the Anoki tribute, or was that not on the? They didn't include it
0: in either show, and I'm assuming it's most likely because they did one at Declaration of Power.
3: Yeah, yeah, because obviously there was one on on the day, uh, right? I mean, everybody came out, and obviously there was Tanahashi and Okada in the ring, and they did the ten ball salute for you know obviously me being a muslim i'll have to call him by his muslim name unfortunately uh um, muhammad is saying you know keep resting peace. um but yeah um that was i i was wondering because obviously i haven't seen them back unfortunately yet so i'm doing everything by memory um that, that was the tribute on the, the they probably did cut that out because they had the, the declaration about sorry I oh yeah I, I noticed that, that. I, back, I noticed but... that too that
0: they didn't um have that now. As far as this match goes, the other thing I was gonna say is, Cage Match, get your fucking house in order, okay? Because things have been going crazy. <laughs> Not so much on the New Japan side, but I think you guys got bots. I think there's literal bots. I think they're they're hiring, and no one else wants to say it. Everyone wants to tiptoe around, like, oh, things have been weird on Cage Match. It's bots. People are buying and paying for ratings on Cage Match out of nowhere i don't (laughs) care i can be the tinfoil hat guy but here's another issue you cannot make a show eligible to be rated when it's not available on tape there was like 60 or 70 people that already like voted on this match before anyone could see it and it had a 9.7 they were saying that this was one of the 10 greatest matches that ever occurred in the history of all of professional wrestling. It's crazy. Now uh, the the score has gone down to what I think is probably a pretty appropriate score. It's like a 9.46, which is crazy high. And um, I love this match. I didn't think I was going to love this match mainly because of the high bar, that FTR and Aussie open have both set this year in prior matches. And then just the rhetoric of what I was hearing about how great this match was. And then kind of like thinking about the, the FTR shtick, which I'm not really that big on. is just like, you know, them kind of like being overhyped and and in a lot of ways, like just sort of like self-promoting to a this Zenith level, like they're fucking Bret Hart or something. <laughs> and so it made me feel like I was not going to like, I probably like the match, but I'm probably not going to love it. So I went into this sort of with a negative attitude. But bro, from the from before the bell starts till the match ends, this is one of the greatest tag team matches yeah. I have ever seen in my entire life. Um, I think it's the second best tag team match I've seen this
3: year, only only behind FTR and Briscoe's Brisco, one. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that. I was about to ask you about. The, this match is incredible.
0: Jeremy, I know you're not quite as high as I am on this, but I think you also enjoyed the match a lot too.
2: Yeah, first, let me throw my rating out so people kind of know where I'm at because I might, I might sound negative. <laughs> I, <laughs> I went four and a half stars on the match. I didn't go four and three quarters. I didn't go five. um For me, there were just some things, and because of the hype, probably, um, and because it's been out there. I've heard so many reviews of the match. Like I think I was more nitpicky on certain stuff than I probably would have been had I watched it live without any spoilers and stuff like that.
0: Well, Uh, what were you, well, I guess give your score, but also after that, what were you nitpicky on? Because maybe there were things that I overlooked. I'd, you know, definitely reconsider
2: it. Yeah. For me, I just felt like some of the heat segments were way too long. Like there was a spot where like they were like getting heat on, um, on cash and like you're trying and trying to get the, the hot tag of Dax, and I get it. That's part of a match. You you build it up. You want the face to finally get that hot tag. But to me, it got to a point of like I was like, all right, just let him tag Dax so we can like get on <laughs> to the next segment of the match. Um, and then finally Dax come in, and then I thought some of the double team stuff were a little clunky. Like it wasn't as smooth or crisp as I've seen honestly um, Open B, and I don't know if that's because, you know, the first time working FTR or what it was, but for me, some of it was a little clunky. Um, and then I know, just, there was something about the pacing of the match for me. Like, there was, it went on, I mean, obviously the 31-minute match, and I just felt like the first half was really, really slow and dragged for me. And then kind of halfway in and kind of picked up a little bit more, and then towards the closing stretch, you had all the, the big false finish and stuff like that, and then it was more of a kind of a high-paced match up there.
3: I think the the crowd obviously had that, you know, they could talk about the fifth element or whatever it's called. Like the crowd that night for that match between Aussie and FDR, everybody's voices were gone by the time we walked out. And like somebody was playing FDR's theme in the car and everybody just started (laughs) That's how happy everybody was. (laughs) Like they were like, okay, okay, the rest of the card might not have been that great, but that for that for me spending that money
2: probably was like worth
3: it in the
2: end personally yeah and the uh, crowd the crowd was electric throughout the whole match they were standing on their feet for majority yeah. of the match. So, yeah the atmosphere was incredible uh, i thought almost overall i mean it was a great match i mean four and a half is a great rating i know some people might yeah be like why are you going so low i, I think four and a half is still a a fringe match of the year contender you can throw it up in there uh, almost of the year. I mean, I like FTR Briscoe's one better. I like Young Bucks versus Lucha uh from that Live Rampage in Ontario better. Um but again, I would still probably have this up there as in the top 10 tag team matches of this year.
0: You're wrong. My only my opinion matters. Eh. And
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, I'm just playing. Um I did. I did think this smoked uh Bucks FTR 2. I did. Um I liked this better now i will say this from a move standpoint and from a fast-paced high octane action like high spot style match velocities in aussie open is better if that's what you like but i i may maybe i'm just uh, a little di- well i think a couple things number one i've always been someone where if the crowd is electric it's gonna it's going to get me more i'm just always higher on matches like that that's probably why i love like say cody and dustin more than other people do like if the crowd gets behind a match i'm
3: probably gonna be more inclined to get behind it is that because you're more invested in it yourself no i just think it's better i think wrestling I i think
0: wrestling is all predicated on crowd response and the more the crowd responds you know, I, I think it the more exciting and, and interesting. It is. It's probably why I like 1980s wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second thing though is for me, I felt like this was the smoothest and like most purposeful I'd seen FTR work in a very, very long time. It very much reminded me of the matches they had with like American alpha and DIY in um nxt back in the day and they like they had incredible chain sequences for like the first eight minutes of the match where it was just like boom 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 and they're doing like they definitely worked this as a hybrid between your standard southern style tag but also with the 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 match layout and pacing of your main event style new japan match just done as a tag and so they really built it in a way that most tag team matches in New Japan don't get an opportunity to be built. Uh, it did go like 31, but I—I I don't know. I felt like this match was like 15 minutes. It just
3: Impressive. breezed
0: by. And then the—the the last thing was how cohesive the storytelling elements were. It just—it was flowing so beautifully. And then like back and forth, and back and forth. And even uh, I do agree a little bit, Jeremy. I thought that the heat spot with uh, which are, with with hair. Was a little too long <laughs> but the, the the reaction that they got when dax got into the ring was just crazy and then that sort of actually led into the blood and then also the physicality like in the early spots like where where they start brawling like dungzilla and uh and dax like literally draw blood from each other's chests they're chopping Bro. yeah oh, ftr they're 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 very talented and those guys are incredible. Bro, I don't think they realized how bad they were gonna get their asses kicked by Mark Davis. He was fucking them <laughs> up. For real.
3: He's become like a beast, like suddenly he's just like all oh, jacked up and massive. And his mustache is like his mustache is something else. That's <laughs> not how he's doing it, bro.
0: he was just laying into everything was- on them to a point where I was like, bro, they're getting their asses
2: beat. Well, I think it started with Dax. Dax was laying those chops into Dunkzilla, and Dunk was like, okay. Yeah. We we chopping? Okay, we chopping today. Oh, we we chopping. (laughs)
0: The other funny thing, too, is, like, um, those guys, like, Aussie Open are so long that from, like, a kayfabe perspective, it's kind of interesting how guys will think they're cutting them off and keeping them from getting the tag, and then they can still reach because they're such big dudes. Like, I love that aspect here, too, but. i I don't know i thought this match was super inventive it pulled out all the old tropes that you see in in a lot of the ftr matches and and um everything like that the one thing the only thing i didn't like about it and it's the one thing that they do in all their big matches and it it works for a lot of people but i think it's fucking stupid is when they do the double submission spot in the ring Mm. because first off the second team shouldn't even be allowed to be in the ring, so how are you going to call for a submission while the other two dudes are still in the ring illegally? They need to first leave the ring. All, all right, then JR. This, no, it's not, it's not a JR thing. It's the rules of fucking wrestling. <laughs> then the second thing is, homeboy tries to go for a tap, and his partner stops him by grabbing his hand. <laughs> how can you stop someone from tapping? They're trying to make the, the proclamation that they want out of the match you holding their hand up doesn't mean that they they have any less submitted from wrestling like but i did like where he slapped up his partner you know to get him to go but i do think that that's one of the stupidest spots in all of wrestling because it makes no sense like just by stopping the dude from hitting the the mat means he didn't give up like he clearly gave up he was fucking tapping down <laughs>
2: I didn't mind that spot too much, and I actually liked the the inclusion of of the slap, especially with Anoki's passing. You know, that the slap giving the power to get to the rope, get the rope break. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think of Anoki, but yeah, that like he did fire him up, and it
0: was it was fucking awesome.
2: Yeah, I thought that was pretty dope. Um, But yeah, I mean, overall, it's a great matchup. I know people are going to be all over the board fit. Uh, We did have a question here from Reddit user Ghost of Doc Gonzo. Said, while I thought that FTR versus Aussie Open match was great, I think that people are way overrating it. It is currently the highest-rated match on Cage Match for this year, and I'm not even sure if it would make my top 10. Am I not seeing something here, or is everyone on Cage Match smoking crack?
0: That's an interesting thing. I didn't even realize that it's the highest-rated. Actually, I don't think it is the highest-rated match on Cage Match because it's not even the highest-rated
2: New Japan match of the year. Yeah, maybe when he was looking at it, it, it was higher. But yeah, I know I know it has gone down some. Okay, but what are your guys' thoughts on that?
3: Uh, Wrestling is perspective, in it so everybody has a different perspective on what they're watching. And unfortunately, you know, if the consensus is saying that it's great, like you were saying earlier, if there's like a huge human consensus saying, "Oh, that was amazing." Then, like somebody's somebody else is smoking crack and everybody like the whole human consensus can't be smoking drugs at the same time can they (laughs) (laughs) or maybe the dopamine hit was so good from that match that we're all high as fuck in it From it, so it's one or the other to be honest but uh, for me wrestling's perspective and it's everybody has their own opinions on it and if you didn't like it you didn't
2: like it but
3: it's tough shit in it unfortunately (laughs)
2: Yes, yeah, so I I got cage match pulled up right now. So the yeah, I pulled it up too. <laughs> yeah, the the Briscoes match, uh, the first one is the number one match ranked on this cage is match. Still,
0: this is the fourth highest rated match of the whole year. Yeah, that's high. That's really Hi. high.
2: Yeah, I mean, I know I see a lot of singles matches on here that I would rate higher than probably both of the, the tag matches, but. Again, like Bash was saying, wrestling is subjective. Um, it, it's a great match, and a, a lot of people think it's higher than some people. But I think it's they're definitely in question for match of the year.
0: I'll tell you, Jeremy. I don't. I don't have that many singles matches I would rate higher than this. I'm not going full five on it, but I am somewhere. I'm probably four and three quarters. But like, it, it's. I don't know. I could be persuaded to go five. I thought this was a nearly flawless, nearly perfect uh match. It's definitely the best tag match in New Japan this year. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah, definitely. And like I said, I was fully sold by some on New Drugs. So <laughs> I also I also think that so, some so of this might so. some of this might have to do with uh people's
0: perceptions. Like, you know, there's FTR are super over right now, and people that like them really rate their their high-end matches very high and i've noticed that some people who don't like them or don't like their style working are maybe a little bit lower on on their stuff this year and it's it's kind of like what you said it is perspective me personally i i do think like that this is one of the best tag team matches i've seen I, i i don't know if it's in that top tier with like holy demon army and you know super generation or if it's on the same levels like bucks versus omega and page okay. i i don't think it's there but it's probably like just a notch below that and um i i was blown away i i can't give this and it's just it's so funny because i didn't want to like this i didn't think i was gonna like this because every sign pointed to being overrated overhyped but it, it lived up to it completely for me
3: I'm, I'm blown away by both both teams all four think- guys I think it was like meme, when everybody was like breaking bad is the most amazing thing you'll ever watch And like I've watched the wire and soprano so don't tell me that breaking bad's on that level and then when I watched it. I was like oh yeah it's on that level fuck sake what was I doing flipping five years ago Do you know what I mean so what, yeah. What- just- One last thing
0: I had a thought on this, though, is when the match ended and Dax decides to cut a promo and part of that promo is how they're not getting booked on AEW enough to his liking, bro, you're a wrestler. You just had one of the greatest matches, quote unquote, of all time. Cut a fucking wrestling promo (laughs) that actually gets like gets you over like that tells a story that's like entertaining. Like, uh, this uh, is what I don't like about these dudes. Don't come out here and fucking whine that you're not getting booked, brother, brother, brother. It's so stupid. It's, <laughs> that literally made me think, like, you know what, maybe I don't like these guys or this match that much.
3: I, I think they gave the belts to some, like, I think it was, like, um, he had is in a wheelchair or something, and they gave him, like, they were going through the crowd and everything afterwards. I don't know if that was shown on the... Afterwards, but uh they gave the belts to some kid uh, in the wheelchair, and they like gave him all the belts. And I thought that was pretty nice. To be fair, you know.
0: Yeah, that was. But, yeah, but, but we we didn't see that shit. We yeah. just saw them complaining. <laughs> yeah, so
3: that's what I mean. Yeah, so like when things get like chopped and cut, like things are out of context, aren't they? So you know, me you know, it's probably being a grifter like Anderson, but Anderson's the grifter's grifter. And, He's ripping, been breaking in the money. <laughs>
2: Sorry. You're good. But, uh, yeah, so that wraps up uh, night one. I think we could probably breeze through uh, night two <laughs> a little bit faster because there's, there's a lot more uh, multi-man stuff on this night on the undercard. Mm-hmm. So uh, night two opened up with Doki and El Esperado. They defeated the team of Michael Oku and Robbie X nine minutes and 33 seconds. Again, that was another good opening matchup and kind of highlighting these teams. And who knows? Again, maybe this team of Oku and Robbie X is a team that we could see in Super Junior Tag League.
3: Yeah, everyone loves a Doki Doki. <laughs> uh, is it, uh, that was the main yeah, part? One Doki of
0: Doki was one of the most. I I know that like people didn't quote unquote go to his. Uh, he was all um, the meet as well. and greet, I guess, but he was so fucking over
3: on tape. I don't know. It was over with the British people. I don't know why nobody went. To, I I went to see him. It was lovely. It seemed like just genuine top bloke, to be honest. So he had a kebab. So the, 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 I had to tell him it's like from Turkish ancestry. It's not British. Like everything's fucking everything that's claimed to be British is stolen, basically. So uh, yeah, I said that's Turkish, and, and he understood. And I was like, yeah, but you had a kebab. Like, that in my book, that's fine. That's how this podcast
0: is.
2: Everything we do, we steal. <laughs> uh, following that, we had Lij team of Hiromo and sonata they defeated the Young Guns, Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs, who is the current rep uh, He is not <laughs> cruiserweight champion. That <laughs> I man is not a
0: cruiserweight at all. Like, not even it's a joke. It's like saying Alex Zane's a cruiserweight right
2: now too. Like,
0: these come on, dude. You guys are big ass motherfuckers. Like, what are we talking
2: about? I know. I was, no. I was confused at first. I was like, is he holding the other guy's <laughs> belt? Like <laughs>
3: No, the young guns worked hard. I've never seen them before, but they had the working shoes on. And they're trying to impress somebody. So um, that's that's what I remember from it and seeing the Roman was the scene isn't it? Made yeah, it alive. yeah, Haromu so... and
2: Sonata were super over, big reactions for them. Yeah, young guns, yeah, they worked super hard. Um, and you know they're a team who I think they were. It, it was kind of teasing storyline like they were going to join United you know, Empire at first. I think it was, and then Aussie Open was the team that actually went going. So um, they're a team that's kind of in that top mix there in Ref Pro, and they they feuded with Aussie Open and some of the, the other teams there. So you know again we got World Tag League coming up and Super Junior Tag League coming up. You need you need some fresh teams. Um, I don't know if any of these guys will be coming over, but, I mean, it would be cool to have a team like the Young Guns in there mixing it up. So following that, we had the IWGP Women's Title Tournament first-round matchup with Jazzy Gabbert defeating Ava White 10 minutes and 34 seconds. With this win, Jazzy will go on to face Kyrie in the next round of the tournament. Uh, I
3: just said uh, I felt like like Ava White she's kind of like new on the scene and I think she was doing like the glamour modelling thing before she got into wrestling and uh, what I know is like her ring gear she kind of kept pulling it up during the match like a lot of the time like after every spot and it's kind of threw me off kind of uh, she reminds me of like the look of her reminds me of Charlotte for some reason I don't yeah. know why it's because she's like quite beautiful and torn and whatever but obviously the Jazzy Gabbard being stardom before was kind of the right move, I suppose. Cause um, yeah, she didn't she, she made me even appreciate her, to be fair, that's what they call that. Anyway, I don't think she she did bad. She's a rookie, and it's like I didn't know who she was beforehand. And obviously a lot of people dipped off, but it was what it was, in it.
0: So this match is interesting because um I I saw a lot of negativity online with the ratings and On the one hand, watching it, I think it is warranted from a certain kind of perspective. Like, Because this was very clunky and definitely, I think uh, Ava White actually does have quite a bit of an upside to her. But like you mentioned, she's only been wrestling for a year or two. So she's extremely green. And this is kind of what you expect from most wrestlers with her experience level, especially coming up during the pandemic era which can't have been easy whatsoever but at the same time this was pretty clunky and discombobulated there's a lot of uh miscommunications and stuff like yeah, that
3: there was one and i think jazzy just dropped her like right in the head yeah, yeah right was scary yeah maybe like that probably that's the thing i remember from it. i was like what the fuck is she all right like you know it was just like you said it was quite clunky but That being said, I like this match. There's something
0: about a clusterfuck when, especially with women, when they go out there and they just start hitting each other hard, and then they start dropping each other like it's all Japan classics, like King's Road style. I am all about that. And Jazzy Gabbert hit her with a reverse kneeling pile driver, a gonzo bomb, if you will. Yes. And Ava White picked her up and just fucking dropped her on her (laughs) head. I love this match. Listen, if we're gonna watch if we're gonna watch um, you know, because I do think that there's a big difference between watching like Joshi wrestling where it's like crisp and beautiful and hard hitting yeah, and like super professional. But if we're gonna watch UK women's wrestling where it's not that good and they're gonna beat the fuck out of each other like this, I'm about it all day. All day. I liked this match.
2: Josh, I'm I'm in agreement with you there. Like I oh. I, 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 I I saw the negative ratings. <laughs> I saw the negative ratings online. People saying, you know, this is one of the worst matches ever, blah, blah, blah. And I saw all the negativity, and I was watching, and I was like, it's not so bad. Like, again, like, Ava, she's green, very new to wrestling. Like, she has that dancer's background. And like you mentioned, Bash has a similar look to Charlotte. And I think there's a ton of upside. Like, if she can get some more dates and get some more experience, I think um, she can come a long way in women's wrestling. But uh, for this matchup here, I mean, for 10 minutes – for her being inexperienced, I thought it was a, a pretty good matchup. I mean, like you mentioned, Josh, they were hitting each other hard. Um, Ava's very athletic and flexible, and she was using her her background to do some uh, pretty um, cool reversals and spots there. And like you mentioned, they were just dropping each other <laughs> on their heads of big suplexes and stuff like that. And uh, Jazzy Gabbard hit the, uh, the regal plex towards the end there, high-angle regal plex to get the win.
0: Yeah, I think that that was actually—I uh I don't know what the nuance is—but Chris Charlton called it uh, an Anoki suplex as like a, a tribute to him because of his passing. Um, the the spot where Jazzy got dropped was supposed to be a Gotch style pile driver, which was just fucking—it was like a Gotch, but then like a high angle, like almost like a power bomb, but
3: on her head. It was. <laughs> so like, everybody's
0: like, what the, uh, what the
3: fucking? The there world. was. There was it?
0: one funny um thing where like right after this match, Ava White like sent out a tweet was like I just had the first singles ma- single women's match in the history of New Japan like ever, and it was like mind blown. And there was like hundreds and hundreds of people that liked it, and people were like, You go girl, you know, history, blah blah blah. And then I I like tweeted from the account. No, was like <laughs> The first women's singles match was in 1987 between Harley Saito and Miss A. <laughs> and they ended up she took it down. She took down the toy. <laughs> but with all, with that being said, I think it's something um, a lot of people wouldn't know that because obviously New Japan's not a women's promotion. They've only had I don't know less than 50 or around 50 ish women's matches in total, depending on what you define as being new japan whether you count the enoki dojo whether you count the roh co-branded shows in north america whether you count the enoki produce shows, so it's, it's a very rare thing to even be a woman wrestling in new japan and then to add on top of that a singles match which there's there has not been a lot of those so and then this definitely was the first women's match period in the uk for new japan ever um at all so it was historic to a certain extent. And um yeah, I, I, I saw a lot of upside there. And I thought it was, uh, you know,
2: it was good. Yeah. So um, moving on from that, we had the United Empire team. Gideon Gray, Great O'Con, Kyle Fletcher, Mark Davis, and Will Ospreay. They defeated the team of FTR, Gabriel Kidd, Ricky Knight Jr., and Chota Umino. 16 minutes, 57 seconds. Uh really fun multi-man matchup here. Bash, I think this is what you were kind of talking about earlier with the United Empire just how they worked together so well, and I thought this—yeah, uh... was straight balls to the walls, just action, just nonstop. And
3: like after the the match between Ozzy Open and FTR the night before, I think that's when the crowd started really kind of coming up. I think, um, when this like uh, tag match happened, like it was just just great from start to finish, brilliant spots, and having Osprey in there was was great as well.
0: Yeah, I, I enjoyed this. This was my, I liked this multi-man match even better than the uh, LIJ one from the first night that I uh, kind of uh, gave some praise to. So I thought this was excellent. And the the finish, the fact that they had Great O'Conn beat Ricky Knight Jr., thus establishing him as being a future challenger for the Red Pro Undisputed British Heavyweight Championship, I thought that was a really cool move as well. So
3: yeah I, th- I thought that was interesting just like but nobody knows where it's where it's gone unfortunately yeah because all pretty much in japan right now so might be on a, a royal quest 2 and 3 or whatever or... i don't know i, I think, don't
2: think they're, I, I, they're gonna do a rev pro title match i think great okan's gonna go on a rep pro show to challenge rkj that's what it sounds like to me too and it sounds like it's going to happen fairly quickly so which uh, o- Ocon has he was pretty over on these shows and he's gotten over in the UK crowd with his time there on excursion. He, so he
3: made a lot of money, he made a lot of spare money. <laughs> That's it that way. He, he was the grifter's grifter on the meet and greets. He was like signing people's names in Japanese on the pop and the posters and kind of like he was like to me. Here's my merch. Do you want to buy anything? I was like, <laughs> no, sir, I'm a, I'm a, no, sir. I'm a peasant oh <laughs> uh, hail, like you know, people bowing down to him and stuff. And uh, the guys over here, uh, he's over pretty much everywhere apart from Japan, personally, for what I think. But maybe because like the cheering crowds, and I just wish they put more of his like you know the stuff he did done behind the scenes, or like he does like you know when he saved that girl or some. You know, maybe they should put more of that into his. Like I know they had that piece of paper that he got you know, com- commandeered or something like that for saving that girl but I think this is just he's quite baby face, to be honest
2: Yeah,
3: but, well, but how I'm looking at it, sorry like, no, You're good, I
2: think, yeah, I think part of the issue is yeah, a lot of the stuff that he's doing is baby face stuff and getting good reactions and right now he's part of a more heel-leaning uh, unit and they want him to be uh, a bad guy so it's kind of hard to be like oh yeah, he saved a girl but you need to boo him. Um, and then in Japan right now, I think it's it's kind of hard. It's been hard to gauge because obviously we haven't had cheering crowds, but the few cheering shields that we've had now, I feel like every time Ocon is out there, he got great reactions, especially in Cork and Hall, which is kind of like the, the smarky crowd in, in Japan. They really – he had a great reception there, and I think he's super over. I will say I do think he needs to get pushed a little bit more. I feel like they need to put the foot on the gas with him. I feel like they've kind of gone really slow with his push. Uh, so moving on from that, we had another uh, multi-man matchup here. We had uh, Hikaleo, Tamatanga, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. They defeated the Bullet Club team of Doc Gallows, Jay White, and Carl Anderson. So again, another uh, preview match setting up the title match that happened at uh, Declaration of Power. And also was a preview for the never title match set, which we don't even know what's going to happen <laughs> anymore between uh, Hikaleo and Carl Anderson.
3: Yeah, I, got, I don't have nothing to add to that. It was just a preview thing, wasn't it? Just, yeah. So it was nothing special. Yeah, I mean, I
0: I guess the the nice thing was seeing Jay White, seeing the world champion, and uh, you know, a, a match that actually. Uh, obviously already happened between tamatang and jay white but at the time had not occurred so it was probably a, a really cool opportunity to get a preview match for that feud but it felt kind of weird retrospectively because it's like well, this already happened right <laughs> but yeah,
3: yeah he's, he's um, pretty the, nice the, he, he gave me the belt to hold which is oh nice, nice. yeah he, he did it with everybody he's pretty heavy but uh, <laughs> kind of so.
0: Yeah, we don't want to blow up his spot. K-Fabe, K-Fabe. <laughs> um, but um the one guy on both of these nights and um uh, that I've just really been impressed with is Ikoleo, like Hikaleo. just his
3: presence and
0: really seems to be getting over and I think they got something with this kid.
3: He's putting it together. He's putting it together. Now, i since the turn. He's he's doing a lot
2: yeah, I I'm digging his, you know, his GOD gear with the top. I think he's yeah, he's carrying himself like a big man and really using his size to his advantage. I think he's getting over. And yeah, I think it's going to be this whole new baby face GOD faction. I think it's going to be pretty cool, especially when you get uh Tangaloa back from his injury as well. So let's move on now to the the closing of the show. We had 3 uh singles matches here. So first we had the Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada defeating bad dude Tito, eight minutes and 13 seconds. And this is another match that I've seen low cage match scores to. And I get it, it was not the, you know, 30 minute Okada classic, but for eight minutes, I thought this was a pretty good match.
0: I uh, I liked this a lot. I also thought Bad Dude Tito was another guy that got a bigger reception in the UK than I was anticipating. Big um, teats, yeah, big teats, and <laughs> yeah, big teats. So that was a uh, pretty cool. And then um, I thought he had a perfectly serviceable, you know, mid card match with you know a top star in Okada, and uh, I thought he looked like he belonged there. So yeah, this was good.
3: Yeah, to be honest, I think everybody was there to see Okada, weren't they? Really. So. You know, if you put Okada with anybody, it probably everybody just popped for him, didn't they? It was all right, yeah. It wasn't bad. It's yeah, like I mean, big and big opportunities with the big old T's.
2: Yeah, it's all it's all about. This match was pretty much all about Okada, but again, I thought Bad Dude Tito looked like he belonged. Looked like he was good there, and like in the future, as he gets you know more over with the New Japan crowd, he could definitely be a title challenger, in uh, my view. Um so then moving on to the semi-main event, we had Big Tom, tomohiro Ishii defeating Yota Suji 17 minutes and 36 seconds. And wow, what a barn burner this was between Ishii and Suji. Never style matchup here. These guys just throwing bombs and uh Suji getting over with the crowd towards the end of the match. There was pretty cool to see.
0: I don't know what you're talking about. This was not a never style matchup. My man was doing you know, Fosbury flops out of the ring. Okay, a yeah. man Suji
2: was hitting with the Yave. Yes, My he Suji. Big, big Hurricane Rana hitting with the
0: Hurricane Rana. This man is a is a. This is the real cruiserweight. This man needs to come <laughs> back for best of the Super Juniors. Fuck all that noise about Ishii Junior Run. We want the Suji Junior Run. Okay,
2: well, you know it's funny. He he always want he wanted to go to CMLL for his excursion because he likes to L- do L- L- libre. He wants to do the flips and all the moves. They're like nah you're, you're going to ref pro and he's like i don't care i'm still going to do these flips
0: <laughs> you got a big guy in suji who's doing the high aerial fast-paced high octane style and then you got a little guy in he who's wrestling like a super heavyweight and just bruising and and beating up the bigger guy like i love this it was awesome just such a great match easily for me match of the night i like yeah. it a lot a lot more than i like the main event and um is a guy that we've always been behind, and I was so glad to see him get this opportunity. And um, I feel like in a way I probably would have ended up liking this better than the Jonah match.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, it was our pretty much everybody's favorite match of the night, even though if somebody tried to do a stupid chat on EC's trying to squeeze like, you. <laughs> like you can just just stupid some people, not just just the way the things that they want to chat and whatever. So he tried to get it going like a number of times, and they just kayfabe. Everybody kayfabe him, and like a, a point before as well, did, did you notice like everybody saying "fuck that guy" to like the fan who was like shouting at Alcada? Yeah, yeah, and like the whole crowd was like just one guy standing up saying "fuck Alcada." It was just, just funny, but yes yeah, Suja had his working boots on, man. He he put on a show, you know. So for but that, probably would have been that was a better match, to be honest. Then yeah. probably, I still want to see Ishijana for some reason, but that was great just to beat the hell out of each other and Tsuji just doing crazy Mexican flips. When he comes back, I think he's gonna blow some people's minds in Japan the things that you can do.
2: Yeah, I think he looked super confident, like, there's something about him that, it, that he has a kind of this, like evil kind of smile that he does and it's like kind of cocky grin and like it just fits him so well and like we mentioned yeah i lost my mind when i saw him do like that big Fosberry flop i'm like what is he doing and then yeah the running hurricane rana and yeah kind of in- integrating some of the high flying stuff yeah i think he's gonna get over huge if he keeps doing stuff like that and i'm really liking what i'm seeing with his um current current run in rev pro so Looking forward for him coming back from an excursion and getting back in the mix. He's going to be another one of these guys that's going to be fighting for that next A spot. I think you throw him and Shooter and Uemura up there. Like, these are the guys that are all battling for like the next spot. Suji FTW. <laughs> okay. Uh, so then uh, main event of the evening, this match was for the uh, number one contendership match for the IWGP. U.S. title held by Will Ospreay. So Tetsuya Naito defeated Zack Sabre Jr. 21 minutes and five seconds. This match had a lot of build to it. This whole kind of frenemy relationship that Naito and, and Sabre had. Uh, Bash, what do you think about this main event?
3: Yeah, I think like Zach just calling Naito or Dickhead constantly was quite funny. Like him just throwing his fingers up and stuff. Like there's, there's a lot of comedy spots in it actually. Than like straight up wrestling. But uh, yeah, Night just Night isn't it? Everybody was happy probably to see them both wrestle. It wasn't a bad match, but obviously from the match before, I think everybody was a bit um, kind of tired, maybe tired after like seeing Suji and Ishi do what they did. But it was a good match considering it all. I was a bit shocked that Zach lost, to be honest, like the hometown boy losing in front of his hometown people. Like that was a bit, bit weird. But yeah, it was it was good, yeah. But that night I oh, doing the roll call was quite interesting. Now, a lot of people kind of, as soon as the finish happened, a lot of people started walking out, to be honest, what I noticed. But, yeah, I, I stayed for the roll call and when I oh, was doing his entrance. I think that's when I started walking, like, to the, the outside. It was good, yeah. It wasn't bad. I thought this
0: match was, um, you know, when when these two guys met at the end of the g1 and they did the the short uh you know two minute match. finish
3: Two minute finish.
0: um i was okay with it at the time you know because that whole card they did all the singles matches on the same night it was shocking and what i really liked out of it was we got the long storyline that played out over the coming months at the end of the g1 between those two guys but i was really hoping that it would culminate in a match that was befitting of the the styled matches we've seen between these two guys throughout history, they have, you know, such uh, a catalog of great matches with each other and uh, a proven track record of chemistry. And I don't think that this was un that, that was undone here, but what I think happened is I think they went out there and had a, we're in the UK. So let's do a, a UK match in front of 2,500 fans instead of doing the, we're at sumo hall match and let's do it in front of 2500 you know screaming uk fans i think they kind of gave them like a rev pro um like
2: how house Like, show match. like a,
0: yeah that's the word i was looking for like a house show style match and a lot of the complaints that people have about the negative tendencies of new japan's main event style where it's kind of drawn out and then you know peaks at a certain point but it's overly long to a point where it doesn't need to be i think that that was on full display here don't get me wrong the match wasn't bad by any means it was very good but i don't think it was a great match i don't think that they uh treated it with the way they were working like it was a serious sporting contest it almost seemed a little bit more comical like bash was saying which Uh, you know, I feel like was unnecessary, especially considering that it was the main, main event of the two nights and, you know, had all these months to build and the stakes that were involved. The winner gets a number one contender shot against Will Ospreay for the title. So there was kind of a lot riding here. And I felt like they just kind of went out there and played the hits, which was kind of surprising. And they never did get to that next gear that you expect in a big time new Japan, you know, main event style Mm -hmm. match. They kind of just hit that 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 like gear just beneath that and kind of stayed there and it was sort of one tone the whole way. Uh, finish was was really good. I I enjoyed the match, but I'd probably go like three and three quarters.
3: Yeah, I think the main thing was like people screaming "fuck the Tories." Just that was that was my main highlight, to be honest, saying "fuck the Tories." But I don't think that was going to change much here, But is what it is, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think another thing too that hurt was just the whole, you know, the timing of it. We already knew that Naito one is getting the match of Osprey come November fifth in um, Osaka. Um, so again, it was like I already knew Naito was going to win this match. It was kind of hard to get invested and really follow the story of the match, already knowing what was going to happen.
3: Um, yeah, so there's been a lot of mute points, ain't there? Like I said, the whole show with it being late just become mute unfortunately.
2: Yeah. And we had a question here from Rambo Slam Picks. So, Did Royal Quest live up to your expectations and the hype? Was the lengthy day delay detrimental to its impact for you? Do you think NJPW squandered an opportunity for a bigger splash or is it ultimately not a big deal going forward?
0: Um yeah, so as far as this question goes, um you know, I felt like I covered some of this sort of in the comments, but um, I thought that the show was sort of what I expected it to be, sort of like a a B minus B-minus, C-plus level, you know, two-night New Japan show mixed with some Red Pro guys, which is kind of what we got there. Um, there were some excellent matches, and I think they were overall enjoyable watches. But, um, yeah, the length, the lengthy delay was really bad, and I do think it affected the impact. Even if the show was still, you know, enjoyable, they weren't as important or meaningful as they could have been when they had first dropped and i do think that they missed out on that opportunity with all the buzz and the hype that was surrounding ftr and aussie open missing out on that did kind
1: of stink
2: yeah i absolutely agree with you it it turned into a joke you know people like we mentioned the people are you know doing the countdown and when's this going to come out and it's a lost tape and it became a meme versus being this kind of hype thing that they they could have written that social media momentum and instead kind of turn into a joke. And now it's kind of got lost. Like, like we mentioned, like wrestling moves so fast. And like, are people actually going to take the time to go back and watch two three hour shows when there's already so much else going on? And I know you, that didn't really, that didn't really affect you because you were there uh, alive. Oh uh, yeah.
3: It didn't affect me too much. It's just the case of like what you lot were saying is become mute. Hasn't it? Like, there's no continuity between watching those shows and what's going on now because obviously you know finishes to a lot of the stuff so
2: uh,
3: it was all right yeah it wasn't too bad i probably would go tokyo Dome though, next time if they did the show here it didn't seem like as much as a big deal uh, personally for me as it should have been but obviously like i said aussie open this ftr was probably worth the money
2: definitely All right, so now we're going to jump into the Battle Autumn Tour. We had three shows this past week. Uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on the undercard stuff. We'll kind of highlight some of the storyline elements there, and then we'll focus in on the TV title tournament. Um, so first up on night one, we had Renarita and Rui Oiwa. They defeated Ishii and Yoshinakashima Nakashima, ten minutes and forty four seconds. This is a preview for the Narita Ishi match coming up in the tournament. We did have a question here from Strong Style Demon. It says, "Hi guys, I'm a big fan of the song and Strong Style concept they have t- attached to Narita. Do you think it could work great if they had him paired with Shibata as his sensei, walking him with with him and acting as some kind of manager to Narita? This way, they would have been able to give Shibata screen time and also push Narita fast to a top position." You think Shibata otherwise will have a spot on the upcoming Wrestle Kingdom show. In such case, who do you think he can put him with at this point? Also, if Narido doesn't win this new TV title, do you think that the new the Never Open weight Belt could be something to push him towards? And as always, thank you both for the great work.
3: Um yeah, it's maybe they should have, because he's like just come on and, like an island on his own as with Hontai. And like his look doesn't really Kind of fit with hontai does it he's kind of like stern and you know angry and i do like the exchanges between him and ishii i think that's a good thing they've done with that feud putting them two together because obviously they when they're together they beat the crap out of each other but you know with maybe but obviously shibata's when you every time you bring shibata back everybody's expecting him to wrestle so it's a catch-22, isn't it? Just having him in that, like what they did with Kenta. It's kind of doing that all over again with Ren and it, and you don't want to right. recycle things too much. Do you? That's what I think about it anyway. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm a big fan of the gimmick, and I, I love what they've done with him so far, even though it's still early goings. But... Um, as far as that idea of bringing Shibata, I feel like they already kind of did something like this throughout his excursion. And now it's time to move on from that. Um, I'm not a big fan of keeping the guys in the shadow of their trainer or the people that are, you know, came before them. Um, There's already so many comparisons and illusions between him and Shibata that if you had Shibata acting as a, a manager in a managerial capacity, I mean, One, that would probably not be feasible with the amount of work and and training he does at the LA Dojo. But number two, I wouldn't really allow uh, Narita to kind of find his own footing and become his own man and kind of put the spotlight back on Shibata at some point, which I think is unnecessary. I think that they actually have a better shot at making him a main eventer by just pushing him and letting him have good matches as opposed to making him Shibata's boy still. You know what I mean?
2: Uh, yeah I absolutely agree with you I do like the son of strong style gimmick I wasn't here last week to kind of get my thoughts on that but I think it's cool kind of starting out gimmick for him and I think just the look in itself is enough to kind of throw to Shibata like you're saying Josh and you know one of the big things a manager does is talk for their person and I mean also we don't understand Japanese but to me Shibata's never been seen as a promo guy he's always had super short kind of you know straight-to-the-point kind of promos, which right. Narita does on his own. Like, Narita was c- cutting promos unstrong and can talk for himself. So you don't need Shabata to talk for him. And then, like you mentioned Bash, like, is in a stage right now where anytime he's on screen, people want to see him wrestle. I think it's completely different when you have a – somebody like a – I don't know, a Jake the Snake who's managing because he's like – you know he can't go and you really don't want to see him wrestle. But when you have somebody that's active, like Shibata who – we want to see wrestle, and when there's a sliver of hope that he can wrestle, people are like, want to see him wrestle instead of manage. Uh, so moving on from that, we had the Great Bad Shield team of Makabe and Hanuma teaming with Master Wato and Rocky Romero. They defeated the Sugun team of Doki, Despi, Taichi, and Takamichi Noku. Then we had the House of Torture team of Dick Togo, Evil, Show, and Udro They defeated the GLD team of Hikaleo and Jato, who are teaming with Tenzan and Risuke Adaguchi. Um, Part of this is a preview for the upcoming Never 6-Man title match that's coming up later this week. Then we had Goto, Yano, and Yoshihashi defeating the United Empire team of Aaron Hanare, Great O'Connor, and Jeff Cobb. Previewing some TV title matches there. Then we had the LIJ team of Bushi, Naito, and Teton defeating the United Empire team of Akira, Gideon Gray, and TJP. Which they're building a junior tag title match With uh, TJP and Akira Against Bushi and Teton Then we had the Bullet Club team Of ELP, Kenta and Taiji Ishimori Defeating the LIJ team of Hiromu, Sonata and Shingo By disqualification Which is all building up to the, the Next KOPW match Between uh, ELP and Shingo And then we had The two first round matches To close the show First we had David Finley defeating Yoshinobu Kanemaru, 11 minutes and 52 seconds. Bash, what do you think about this one?
3: I think is like, really underrated, personally. I like the control spots that he had with the head, head scissors. Using the head scissors, you don't see many wrestlers kind of utilizing the head scissors, especially, like, is quite explosive. So I like, like, Kevin Kelly's thing of you control the head, you control the body kind of thing. And I think is like, criminally underrated. Personally, for me, and I thought the match was great. I think Finley stepped up a gear this year. Like, really, I think is the most, one of the most improved in New Japan this year by by a mile. Um, It was a good, it was a solid match. Finley's showing a lot of fire, and he's doing, personally for me, he's doing really well. I started to like him a lot more than I did before.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I I liked Finley's gear that he uh, introduced here, too. But um, this match was pretty entertaining, and it was a great first introduction to the sub-15-minute format that we were going to get here. I know that there's probably those who are complaining about this being a youth-centered division and having an older guy like Kanemaru. But, like, I don't know, man. Kanemaru has, like, the old, wily, crafty veteran, sort of like an old George Foreman or an old Bernard Hopkins. It works for me. He's got this bag of tricks. He tried to beat uh young David Finley by getting him counted out in the middle of the match, which I love. But um ultimately his tricks were not enough to overcome a a surging, you know, young heavyweight like Dave Finley. And he hit him with that trash panda, got, got that bum out of here. One, two, three moves on. I thought this was good.
2: Yeah. I enjoy this a lot. I mean, when I thought about this kind of 15 minute, time limit thing. I thought about Kanamaru as a perfect person to be in this and to be a challenger based off of his work in a super juniors. He's always having these kind of flash pins and these kind of quick roll ups in the beginning of his sequences. And like you mentioned, Josh, he's always trying to use that kind of wily, you know, experience and veteranship to use his tricks to kind of outmaneuver some of the younger, um, inexperienced guys to him. And so that's what he was trying to do here with Finley, try to use some of those tricks and experiences And his speed, that junior speed that he has over Finley To kind of pull one up on him But overall Finley was able to hit the trash panda Put Kanemaru away and move on to the next round So then the main event We had Zach Sabre Jr. defeating the sauce Alex Zane 14 minutes and 55 seconds We almost got the first time limit draw which in this tournament, if it does go to a tie limit draw, uh, the winner will be determined by a coin flip.
0: Yeah, I I don't know if you guys thought about this, but what if there was someone where they can't beat the other guy, and so they try to just make it to the bell in hopes that they win the coin flip (laughs) and they take the 50-50 gamble? Could that be something that you could see happening in this tournament? Because
3: I feel like that is a possibility
2: what do you think bash um
3: i thought it was gonna happen uh, yeah at at some point but i think the because it's wrestling the coins gotta be rigged in it (laughs) 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 not necessarily i I feel like you could gimmick the whole shit like i just mean like you know booking wise imagine like you winning on a coin flip it must be mad in it like I, I, I can i make a like sorry sort of point like do do you guys enjoy the um little promo segments at the beginning because i actually really like that even though some some of them doesn't come with translation i think that makes it more special yeah
0: i think the presentation's been really cool
2: yeah i like the presentation also I like the whole thing of having the promos people talking about why it's so important to them i think it definitely adds some you know importance to this tournament and the title and josh i thought the 15 minute thing was going to happen here and maybe they wanted to beat Saber, but they didn't want Zayn to beat him. Oh, so I thought it was going to be that's like...
0: That's another way they could do it.
2: Right. I thought it was like, all right, well, Saber is clearly like beating Zayn. He's more experienced. He hasn't been in submission hold. I thought it was going to go to 15, and then the coin was going to flip, and then Zayn would have won. And then Saber would have gone absolutely ballistic, thrown a, a temper tantrum, and, and been upset and claimed how New Japan screwed him. And then you would have had your, you know, your younger Alex Zane moving forward.
0: Well, I guess I don't have the the full field in mind when I was thinking of that scenario, right? But, like, what if there was, some like, what if it was, like, Kanemaru and he can't beat somebody, so he's like, I'll just take my chances and try to ride the clock out. You know what I mean? Right. I guess Which it. would be, it's like it's 50-50 at that point. It's better than, like, being a, a no chance, like if it was him against Fale or some shit. Right. Um, but as far as this match
3: goes, Bash, what were your thoughts? Um, I really enjoyed, like, Alex Zane's hot start. I thought that was, like, really interesting and Zach not actually getting his jacket off during the match. I mean, I think I'm surprised that Alex Zane is a freelancer, to be honest. I think this is one of my major problems with New Japan, like, just having freelancers and not signing up people to, like, contracts. Like, people like Alex Zane, like, the way the, the Korean crowd or, like, Japanese fans love him. And like, you can just tell in that match through Koryuken, like the ending sequence was brilliant. I mean, like, I don't know exactly what move Zaki used as a submission. Is like a, Was it like a heel, a hook or a leg bar or something like that? But like the transitions between that like, finishing sequence and the drama being built up in the last couple of seconds, I think it, this like, 15-minute format really adds some extra drama because everybody's going at a high pace and they're going really fast in the matches. And it's not, it's not dwindling your attention span. It's not like a normal New Japan main event that goes like 30, 40 and like halfway through. Like sometimes in some of them, you're looking at your phone and you think of when's it going to end. Like this is like, you have to watch every single second
2: because you
3: don't know what's going to happen. So that's what I really enjoy about the format. And I think the match was really great. And I really like alexei in New Japan.
0: Yeah, this was the first of the three main events that we saw in this tournament and um i thought that this was really a standout match and a, a great first uh introduction to sort of seeing alex zane on a heavyweight level i don't know that if he is going to for sure transition from uh junior but he looks like he should because he's even bigger than than uh zach saber who he himself has put on you know some muscle in, in recent years but um in the past jeremy you and i we've kind of especially in the early days of the podcast kind of criticized some of the match structure of like a Zack Sabre match from time to time because we felt like he like ate people alive and I guess now I'm kind of progressing to this point where like anything that's different from a regular match structure I'm especially coming out of the pandemic I'm kind of enjoying that more and more and in this environment it kind of worked because like you mentioned Batch early on Zayn was able to come in there and do all these like High flying moves and catch him off guard, but once they settled in, it became the Zach Saber show, and Zach was just tying this guy into pretzels and really just eating him alive. And it kind of became, um you know, a quest for Zane to sort of survive. And then everything changed going down the stretch because it's like Alex Zane keeps getting in trouble, but he keeps getting out of everything. And then it's like, oh shit, Zach can't finish him. And Zane's like pulling out all these roll-ups and then getting, you know, and then um, Zack Sabers getting like kind of reckless and then he's getting caught with like counters and then he almost got hit with the cinnamon twist off the top rope. And it was like, this is a really awesome story. And then finally, Zach Sabers able to capitalize on a, on a leg issue that had been kind of persistent all throughout the match and get the guy into a heel hook and with like just a few seconds left, taps him out. And if he hadn't have tapped him out, what would have happened it would have gone to a coin flip and like conceivably zane could have won this match it was like within his grasp without actually quote-unquote winning the match because it, like let's say if this was a, a g1 match with 30 minutes it was pretty clear that zach saber likely would have won that sort of encounter but because of the 15 minute parameters the
2: whole psychology
0: of the match is totally different
2: yeah i really enjoy this match as well and i totally agree about zane potentially moving the heavyweight i mean there's a lot on commentary uh, Charlton was like, yeah, there's no way Saying uh, it's still a junior He needs to be a heavyweight So it is going to be interesting to see How they slot him uh, moving forward Because um, also he wrestles like a junior But definitely has a, a bigger frame And yeah, I love the pacing of the matchup Love the story Sabre working on the leg, compromising the knee To kind of prevent him from doing You know, some of his um, you know, The Baja Blast and the Cinnamon Twist All his uh, Taco Bell <laughs> high-flying offense Um but, yeah, then towards the end there, gets him in the heel hook. Zane couldn't hold on and tapped out. Um, yeah, overall, really fun matchup, high pace. And, again, I'm, I'm really enjoying this format of the TV tile tournament, these shorter, faster matchups. Like you were saying, Bash, like you're hooked on every minute because literally it, it could end at any time. People are doing all these kind of flash roll-ups. And with Sabre, he's doing all these submissions. So you just never know when it's going to end, and the, the pacing has been a lot of fun to watch. So moving on to night two, show opened up. We had Taichi and Taka defeating Gato and Kenta. Then we had Goto, Ishii, and Yano defeating Makabe Hanma and Renarita. Then we had Zane, Finley, Wato, and Tiger Mask defeating Doki, Despi, Kanamaru, and Zack Sabre Jr. Then we had the House of Torture team of Sho and Yudro defeating Hikaleo and Jado. Then we had Bushi, Sanada, Naito, and Teton defeating Akira, Gideon, Greg, Ocon and TJP. Then we had Hiromu and Shingo defeating uh, Bullet Club's cutest tag team, ELP and Taiji by disqualification. Once again, building to the, the upcoming stipulations. and so We'll talk about that in a second. Um, and then we had the two tournament matches. So first we had Evil defeating Aaron Hanare, minutes in 55 seconds. Bash, what do you think about this one? I just want Hanare
3: to get a break, to be honest. <laughs> Like, evil is just evil anyway, at this point but you need those kind of people in wrestling don't you? you need like shared heels that everybody hates or you sell tickets to see their asses get kicked don't you i think hanara is like come on strides as well really i just like every time he just gets saddled in the back seat doesn't he to like where there's a hontai now united empire and like his matches have been pretty solid you know to be honest throughout the g1 and now this thing with Evo. but evil but evil's evil and it like it's just gonna be evil it's in his name i, I, I the one thing i like about evil is when he hits his finish that's it you know the match is over
4: mm-hmm.
3: like there's not many people you kick out of that and like and you're like yeah thank god it's fucking over Do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it's like the fast forward button just just wants to come quick enough, doesn't it? With watch torture. But like I said, it's the oldest wrestling thing in the business. And they have somebody like to, you know, everybody hates, or so you want to see them get beat, or people come into a building to, you know, see them get beat and pay their money. Th- that's what I thought about. I thought Hanare was great, though.
0: Yeah, I, I really liked Hanare here. And Going into the match, because of the stipulation and because it's a youth-centered belt, um, I was a little bit optimistic that Aaron Hanari might be able to pick up a win here, especially considering the outcome of these these guys' match during the G1. So I was sort of hoping there'd be some sort of caveat where he could pull up the first real upset in the tournament. Uh, Alas, that didn't come to pass. And then watching this at first, at first I was like, you know what? evil in this division maybe could work because i've always sort of said that sub 15 minute matches for evil are like his sweet spot but then they started pulling out all the house of torture shenanigans they started having the lights turn off and the ref bumps and the ref uh you know distraction and then and just it, it became overkill and i was like oh my god they can actually shoehorn everything that he does in his long ass matches (laughs) into a short 15 minute match and it's just as bad and so then that made me feel like maybe i just fucking hate evil i cannot stand this dude and i don't want to see him have singles matches until he's wrestling like like he used to wrestle which i wasn't even that big of a fan of to begin with but um last thing with this match last week i kind of looked at the bracket haphazardly and was like you know what it's going gonna, it's gonna to end up being Zack Sabre Jr. and Renderita in the finals. But now that I'm looking at it a little bit closer and I'm looking at some of the names involved in it, I'm like, Evil could easily win this thing. Or like a Sonata could easily win this thing. Um, it's not as open and shut as maybe I made it sound last week. And Evil winning this first match just kind of makes me nervous. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I was disappointed that Evil got this one. It's not just because of hating evil but like you were saying bash I really feel like Aaron Hanare needs a break, needs a chance here with this with this supposed to being a youth centered, you know, title, I thought this would be a great opportunity to um, you know, give something to Hanare, even if he's not gonna win the tournament, at least have him go pretty far. Like, his he's been killing it lately with his matches and his the striking game and everything's been great for him since he's joined the Empire. And so yeah, I would have loved to see him Get a big win here, you know, overcome shenanigans, which he was for the most part in the match. You know, they were doing, Dick Togo was interfering, they had a lights going out, and Hanare was kind of overcoming everything that Evil was throwing at him until the very end there, where Evil was finally able to get hit him with the, the everything is evil and put him away. Um, it would, I think, it would have been a cool opportunity for Hanare, but I get it. Evil's a former IWGP champion. Um, you, you do want some bigger quote unquote main event names. In this tournament going down a stretch So I can see why They have evil going down further But again like you were saying Josh I don't want to see a You know 15 minutes of evil With the garrote wire And the lights going off And show with the wrench And you know you with the with the pimp cane And blah 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 Like let's like let evil let wrestle for 15 minutes Like let's minimize the, the House of Torch stuff And let's just see a, a good 15 minute match um, so, moving on from that, the main event of the show, it was Yoshihashi defeating Jeff Cobb, 12 minutes and 14 seconds.
3: Shocker for me, to be honest. I didn't see Yoshihashi going through, but, you know, Jeff Cobb slipping up in this match. You know, I, I like Jeff Cobb's heading of the need, to be honest, and I liked uh, Yoshihashi's flash pin he was trying to get into karma but i don't think because he couldn't lift him up could he or something along those lines and then you just kind of like put him in like the karma pose for the pin it was a good match and you know? jeff cobb was just like, acting cocky like i've beaten before and like i can beat him again it's nothing to me and then once the knee kind of gave out you know yashi yoshi, I mean, yoshi using his uh brains or as zach would say his techers? Uh, to get the win, yeah. It, w- it wasn't bad, yeah. I, I, but I was actually shocked at the finish that Jeff Cobb wouldn't go through. Because that's like none of United Empire in this tournament now, isn't it?
2: Yeah, they're, I don't, think, yeah, I don't think, I think they're all out, right?
3: Who's I think, I think so. It's like one of United Empire out of this tournament now. I I
0: haven't paid enough attention. I'm kind of taking it like round by round as it is so i don't know exactly who all was in it but if it is just um is okan in this
3: i'm not sure
2: yeah let me see if i can pull pull the bracket up real quick
3: yeah yeah i'm not sure maybe but that's two of them
2: yeah jeremy that's your job to have the bracket (laughs) up
0: in front of me i i don't sorry i just show up and talk you know (laughs) but um as far as the match goes yoshihashi and jeff cobb just have incredible chemistry with one another and are both um, I don't want to say underrated at this point, but like I feel like Yoshihashi still to a degree is underrated, and Jeff Cobb has one of his da- best dance partners just on a even if it's a short match like this, they're consistently good to really, really great, and that's what I felt like this one was. Um, not my favorite match of the tournament, but I liked this even better than the Alex Zane ZSJ match, and um. These guys just went out there and worked their asses off, blew the roof off, had an incredible, incredible match. And the one thing that I liked about it is the fact that Yoshiashi has never beat Jeff Cobb one one before. And in, again, in a regular context, like say a G one, he has a lot of trouble putting this guy away, but because of the fact that this was a 15 minute sprint, it allowed opportunities to arise for yoshihashi and on two occasions he took full advantage where he already scouted jeff cobb and he knew when he was going to go for the tour of the islands he was able to counter that into a believable near fall and then down the stretch he made jeff cobb think he was going for karma jeff goes to to counter it and then he turns that into what became the the winning combination pinfall and it was like he suckered jeff cobb he didn't beat him by like dropping him with karma. He beat him by like basically creating a state of panic because of the time and everything that's going on there. And it it created an awesome opportunity for him, which is like, that's the thing I like about this tournament. And and the idea behind it is like it it creates plausible scenarios where young guys or underdogs might be able to beat someone that's a little bit more established just because for everyone in this tournament, 15 minute time limit is like a whole new ballpark.
2: Yeah, and like Bash mentioned, Cobb was very cocky coming into this match and very arrogant and kind of taking Yoshihashi a little bit lightly there. So then, like you mentioned, Josh, coming to the end, there was that panic because he was taking Yoshihashi lightly, and Yoshihashi had him scouted doing all these counters, and then towards the end there, like you mentioned, yeah, he was uh, Cobb was so focused on just blocking Karma and not getting hit with it that Yoshihashi was able to use that to his advantage and get that uh, roll-up in and was able to beat Cobb. So, yeah. Really fun main event there, and looking forward to seeing more of Yoshihashi in this tournament. And I looked it up. Uh, Great Okan is in the tournament. He has uh, Toro Yano as a first-round matchup, so there's still uh, one United Empire guy left. So then moving on to the last Battle Autumn show, we had uh, Great Bash heel defeating Vegeta and Oiwa. Then we had the Chaos team of Ishii, Yano, and Yoshihashi defeating the United Empire team of Gideon Gray, Great Okan, and Jeff Cobb. The House of Torture team, Dick Togo, Evil, Show, and Ujiro defeated Hikaleo, Jato, Tenzan, and Deguchi. Then we had Zane, Finley, Wato, Narita, and Tiger Mask defeating Doki, Despi, Taka, Kanamaru, and Zack Saber Jr. Then Hiromu and Shingo defeated Gato and Taiji Shimori. Nine minutes and 25 seconds. Then we had the LIJ team of Bushi, Naito, and Teton defeating Hanare, Akira, and TJP. 1233. And after this match, we have the angle where and Ibushi officially challenged Akira and TJP for the junior tag team titles. Then we had our two TV title tournament matches. So first we had Kenta defeating Hiroki Goto nine minutes and 32 seconds. Bash, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I thought it was they have really good chemistry between both of them. I think did Kenta slip up at the end. I think like with the GTS. I'm, yeah, was that something? Am I wrong though? nah that?
0: so there was a there, you're talking
3: about when he got color Colored, yeah and the finish like both of them
2: well he, he did, yeah well kenta went for the gts it looked like he messed it up and he did it again
3: yeah just, yeah that's what i was talking about yeah like uh, i think that was the only kind of bad part about the match i like i just like the chemistry between both of them it was quite fast paced and quite quick even though like kenta rolled to the outside for a bit but then once the action got going it kind of really got going between them two and the kind of like stiff strikes between them both. Um, apart from that slip up, it was all right. Yeah, it wasn't bad for like a ten minute, ten minute sprint here. Yeah. I, I liked that at the end when he was like um, wiping the blood with tissue paper and giving it to the crowd, which is a bit strange, but <laughs> yeah, souvenir I guess. Sorry.
0: Yeah, this was a match that um, it didn't overstay its welcome, but it also, uh, outside of a couple things that happened towards the end it wasn't the most memorable thing it's not like i'm going to point back to this you know years from now um but it was still an enjoyable entertaining sub 10 minute match between two veterans who are both badasses who will go out there and lay it on the line and and kick the shit out of each other and that's what they did in this match um now there was a ref bump spot and down the stretch there was the usage of weapons which you know in new japan has been a little bit overplayed but in this scenario i enjoyed what they did because they set the spot up where kenta was trying to use the chair against goto and goto countered that by hitting him with a lariat and the chair ended up going into kenta's head and it actually like cut him open like hard way which was pretty dramatic and sort of set the 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 tone of the the final stands of the match which i thought was really really good and um you know seeing a bloody kenta you know hoist this man up and get this geek goto the g and geek is for goto get him out of here get this bum off of the off the canvas so we you know so bullet club we can ball and that's what they did so kenta picks up the big win youth the young people winning you know young star superstars young promising upstarts like kenta
2: (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the match, too. But, like, I agree with uh, Bash. The, the kind of finished there with a little wonky there where Kenta, he went for the GTS. So he didn't hit it quite all the way and then went for it again and uh, put Goto away. Like I said, um, fast-paced, hard-hitting matchup. Again, with Kenta, I kind of wish we would kind of leave the ref bump stuff out of this. Uh, I mean, he, he's so talented. And I feel like with this 15-minute timeline, it just helped him in general with um, – stage he's at in his career and with some of his you know previous injuries and stuff like that um I think this timeline and stuff would, would benefit him if he just had a straight up match I get he's a heel you, you need you need to sprinkle in some cheating and stuff like that but as far as ref bumps and stuff like that I think let's let's leave that out of this and let's, you know cheat in other ways um so then the, the main event was sonata defeating Tai Chi 14 minutes and 57 seconds so once again we had another near a uh, time limit matchup here but just in the nick of time Sonata was able to uh defeat tai chi bash what do you think about this one
3: I think it's becoming a thing with Sonata where he just gets to win at the last couple of seconds. I think that with that according in the G1 didn't he a couple of G1s ago or something like that. It's kind of become his like little trope or little gimmick. But I like the 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 whole uh, match personally like they were striking quite stiffly between each other and I, I kind of like the um the i don't like the skull thing uh, submission from sonata but i think taichi needs a break as well like kanari i think he's like one of the most um improved wrestlers in new japan in the past five five years is really put on his working boots like constantly and he's putting on banger after banger to be honest and i just like, i want to see tai chi just get a singles title at some point like a proper one not the never one just like a maybe have a main proper main event for you with somebody but it was a really good match yeah uh, the guys have good chemistry it's not Chi the old japan style this match
0: fucking ruled. this so far is the best match of the tournament and um i mean there's a couple things going into that aside from just the long-standing history between these two guys both of them being outsiders like you mentioned bash both of them having ties to all japan and sort of being aficionados of that you know king's road style but we also had toshiaki kawada on the call at ringside which was like kind of special plus this was um we forgot to mention a full cheering crowd show so it really elevated the energy level just across the board for everything on this show but especially for this main event and these two guys you know who there's definitely been times and and issues where you can criticize them at different points of their career i think more commonly recently most of those would be reserved for sonata but um you know it's not like uh tai chi went out there and had like a blow away g1 or anything like that but these guys went out there in this sub 15 minute format. We're like, let's remind people that we are just fucking awesome wrestlers. And that's what they went out there and did. And they had a banger and it was super fast paced and it was super hard hitting. And they were doing all the lariats and all the, all the awesome, like back and forth exchanges and head drop spots and the suplexes. And this really felt like a, like a, an ode or an homage to, Kings Road style wrestling and I I'm here for it and I loved it the only thing I was mad about I wanted Tai Chi to win and why because I like Tai Chi more but um you know that's that's one of the marks of a great match they had me cheering and booing and marking out for for the guy I wanted to go over when he lost I was like damn it like I was pissed and that's good because wrestling should make you feel that way.
2: Yeah, this match was freaking awesome. Best match of the tournament, like you mentioned. Super uh, high pace from the very beginning. And the, you know, they start with the, the whole push-up contest thing, and you know, Sonata, a du- <laughs> Sonata, a dummy has not learned that like this is a trick for Tai Chi. And once again, Tai Chi lured him in. You know, Gato clutch near fall, and they're going back and forth with the big near falls. You know, big axe boomba right from the beginning of the matchup, and they're throwing all their big bombs. You know, the common the giri's, the last rides. Uh, the, the sculling attempts, and they're doing all these kind of big back-and-forth moves. Uh, Taichi hits, you know, the big dangerous backdrop driver, and they're going back and forth. Sonata hits a tiger suplex. They're hitting these big suplexes, big strikes, big lariats, great counter uh, maneuvers, and then uh, finally towards the end there, you know, Sonata's going for the Mudo moonsault. Taichi gets his knees up, gets the inside cradle. They have a roll-up exchange, um, and Sonata finally catches Taichi with the uh, Japanese leg clutch. Uh, to get the victory of only three seconds left. And, like, again, this match really used the time limit drama to um, enhance the match. And I was at, the, you know, the edge of my seat, like, all right, who's this going to go to uh, draw? Who's going to get the win here? And it ended up being Sonata. And, like, you guys, I, I also I also wanted tai Chi to get the win here. Just like you were saying, Bash, you know, Taichi doesn't really get a lot of singles title opportunities. And when he did, that never title run was very short. Um, so, again, he's not that young, but he does have a, a style that really fits this 15-minute time limit, especially wrestling a match like how he wrestled against Sonata. Um, so I think in the future, he's definitely a guy you want to have in this TV division. And, yeah,
0: one thing, too, this reminded me a lot of the early days of that pure tournament that ROH did during the uh, pandemic just the alternate presentation, the different dynamics of the psychology and the rule set, which I think is a good thing. Um, But the one thing I'm noticing is very few people are actually winning with their finishers. And like you mentioned, Jeremy, when it comes to Sonata, that's something he has an edge on a lot of people where he's able to really kind of win a chess match, especially when it comes to near falls with pins and he can work out of a pin into his own pinning combinations. Him and Zach are two of the best guys at that. And um, in a match like this where these guys went out and threw bombs and figured out down the stretch, like, oh, I I don't have enough time to actually get this guy out of here. He's too durable. I'm going to need to pin him. And that's where it devolved into a chess match where neither guy could get the, the upper hand on, on one another until finally, with three seconds left, Sonata did, which was pretty crazy.
3: Um just that little touch at the end with Tai Chi looking at the stopwatch I thought yeah. that was really special like maybe that's something that I just noticed but him looking at that watch and like two seconds out like really got to me like and it makes like you think of the other matches now like they only got a certain amount of time if they don't make it that's it and then tai Chi being gutted was like just broke my heart personally
2: yeah, that's one thing we didn't mention. Yeah, you know, the referees have a stopwatch in their hands. You know, they're not just using like, the announcer's call. Like, they have a stopwatch to keep track of the time. Wrestlers can see it, which definitely adds to you know the pace of the match. Because I think that's kind of cool too. Because you know, as a amateur wrestler myself in high school, like we had that time clock up there when we were wrestling, so we knew like, all right, if I'm down a certain amount of points and I only have you know 30 seconds left, I really need to you know try super hard to get a takedown or a reversal to get a point. So. I think it definitely adds to you know the pace and intensity and the story of a match. Uh, we had a question here from Rambo Slam Pig. He says, "I feel like Tai Chi has to remind us a few times per year that he is a badass, but I didn't always feel that way. How has your view of Tai Chi changed over the last few years? I went from negative on him to a fan over the last four or so years."
3: Um, I think I'll give him my thoughts on that. like, I think since Taiji's moved to heavyweight and kind of got rid of all that, you know, heel junior stick that he used to do, he's become like a, a fan favorite for everybody Just in, Jap- in Japan and like Western fans as well. He kind of like brings that hard hitting style out a lot of the times. And when he does, like everybody's like, you know, tai Chi's great, should give him a push and this and that. And then it was being positive for me, like I haven't seen anything too negative. And, like, everybody loves me. i don't they? So, you know? <laughs> yes, they do. do. Want? Yes, want they do. do <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: as far as, uh, I think you summarized it perfectly, Rambo and Slam Pig. It's exactly how I feel. I mean, um, as far as how I feel about Tai Chi now versus how I used to, the man's an incredible promo. The man's extremely funny and entertaining. And when he wants to turn it on and have a, a banger, he really can and he can break your heart because the guy doesn't win enough um so yeah i i love tai chi like he's one of my favorite new japan characters at this point also we did we forgot to mention after the match he went up and he challenged toshiaki Kawada to a match Kawada hasn't wrestled since 2010 and like i didn't even recognize him at ringside and if that happens that would be insane i hope it does
2: yeah, that would be crazy. Uh, but, yeah, same feelings here. When we started the show, Tai Chi was not a guy I was ever thrilled to watch. He goofed off a lot. It was all more about the kind of character work. Um, but over the years, yeah, he's gotten more serious and really kind of shown that all-Japan style with the, the Kawada kicks and the dangerous backdrop driver and just the intensity and the passion he's had. And also now he's including the sumo stuff, you know, that sumo throw and that big sumo elbow strike that he does is awesome and he just has an awesome move set and pace to his matchups, Gato Clutch and some of the other kind of high pace stuff that he does. Like he's awesome and I, I really wish he got more singles opportunities. Another question here, let's commission seven two five two with the killer matches, fast paced matches we've seen so far from the NJPW World TV title tournament. Do you guys think the title will have prestige meaning to it from now until next year around this time? I hope so, because
3: at the moment, they've kind of built it quite well, haven't they? You know, with the presentation and the styles and matches people are having. And I really enjoyed the the different style between Zach and Alex Zane. I thought that was the match I had circled personally because of the stylistic matchup. Now, if you have different stylistic matchups like that and kind of can keep the momentum going on it and... um, it stays at the format it is. I think it's like flipping a hell of a lot better than KOPW. So you can throw that in the bin and just keep this. Yeah, with the way they're treating
0: KOPW and it's like this demolished this demolished trophy that they're not fixing. Like if, That might be a little signal that this is sort of the <laughs> spiritual successor. But uh, you know what is funny is, yeah, they are treating this title like it's something very important. and And I'm here for it. I'm enjoying it. The one thing that's taking away from the prestige, I know we mentioned the pre-show uh promos. None of these English speaking wrestlers know what to call this thing. They all have been messing up in their promos. Like at one of them was like, oh, I think it was uh Finley's like, I will be the AJW like world champion. And it's like, the what? <laughs> what company did you say you worked for? And then uh To like, that I'm going to be the first NJPW world champion it's like <laughs> and it's confusing because it's the njpw world, world yeah television but it's not world because it's a world title or maybe that's that maybe it's both but it's world because it's from njpw world the streaming service it's very confusing for a lot of the wrestlers they keep fucking it up but um as far as the way they're treating the title so far it seems to be promising then again with this company you never know
2: Right, it's it could be here today, gone tomorrow. It really all depends on the booking and the presentation going forward. So far, you know, doing an awesome job with it, it's going to have a big um final at Wrestle Kingdom. So, as of right now, the next few months, it seems like this is definitely a high priority and something they really want to get over. And hopefully, it will stay this way because it's a, a breath of fresh air, adds something new to the card. Also, I love that. You know, all these matches have been uh, free on NJPW World and they're separate uploads. So if you're low on time and you just want to watch the tournament matches, you can just easily go on NJPWWorld.com, click on those tournament matches and watch those, you know, you know, 10, 15 minute matches. And it's super easy to watch. I think it's easy for many people who their subscription is lapsed or they're not really sure what's going on in New Japan. Kind of hop back in to watch those matches for free.
0: Um, I know that. You didn't get to a chance to give your thoughts on this last week, Jeremy. But I'm going to ask you guys both, since I already discussed it previously. What are your thoughts on the title design itself?
2: Bash, I'll let you go first.
3: Okay, thank you. Um, to me, it kind of looked like kind of like the North American title, but then when like Chris gave it some context, like a lot of people were slandering it, but then when the concept context came about, like it's like uh, meant to be like. 16 by 9 isn't it or something like that a like tv aspect ratio um like that it's quite a big belt isn't it like yeah it's huge at, it looks huge so i hope it goes on a huge wrestler because it, they might have to re- refit it if it goes on somebody quite slender like aya I, I don't think i could hold that thing personally but <laughs> i think it's i think it's all right you know for what it is it like sometimes you know pictures don't do things justice do they like everybody's quick to slander stuff these days and like just let it breathe and like the world title you know like when they unveiled the world title everyone's like oh it's a Transformers belt it's wank it's you know it, it, it looks like a flipping triangle it's like you know I'm, I'm, I'm like now like the man makes the title on the titles like you know just the title isn't it it's like the right. is holding it makes it. Now, now jay white's holding the title nobody's saying the world title looks fucking shit does it you know right. so i think yeah just give it time you got to give things time don't you like they can always change the design can't they it's not like they never change the bloody design of a title but have they it's the oldest one of the oldest wrestling tropes ever isn't it in time it probably will change maybe to like a. A flat screen, like a well, like a MacBook or whatever, because like you know everything's streaming now. You have got a TV unless you're playing
2: video games? <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. I, yeah. I. For me, for me, I. I don't love it, but I don't hate it either. Like, uh, like you mentioned, I saw a lot of people who are you know trashing it online, and to me, of like it's kind of I was kind of like lukewarm on it. Um. And I think it's gonna grow on me over time. Kind of like the world title did, um, which I was not. I didn't really hate hate, hate the design either when it uh, first came out. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's fine. It'll grow on me over time, and I think for all of us, it'll it'll just kind of be there. It'll grow over time, and like you mentioned, Bash, it could also change in the future.
0: Nice. Well, that is going to do it for our coverage of these three nights of Battle Autumn. Coming up this week, we have one show on Sunday, the 23rd. Uh, I'm going to do a quick rundown. Um, Opening match, we've got Doki versus Kosei Fujita in singles action. Second match of the night, Alex Zane and Yuto Nakashima take on the Suzuki-gun team of Kanemaru and ZSJ. Third match of the night, Oiwa, Makabe, and Yano take on the United Empire trio of Kanare, Okan, and Cobb. Fourth match of the night, David Finley, Ren Narita, and Tiger Mask take on the Chaos team of Goto, Ishii, and Yoshihashi. Fifth match of the night, we have Desperado, Taichi, and Takamichi Chinoku taking on the Bullet Club team of Ghetto, Kenta, and Taiji Shimori. Sixth match of the night, Master Wato and Tomoaki Hanma. Uh, they'll be taking on the LIJ team of Hiromu and Sonata. And then in your semi-main event, we have the Los Ingranobles team of Bushi, Naito, and Titan taking on the United Empire team of Francesco Akira, Gideon Gray, and TJP. And then your main event is the Never weight six-man tag team title uh, match as the champions defend House of Torture, Evil, Show, and Ujiro defend against Hikaleo, Roshi Tanahashi, and Ryusuke Taguchi. And this is quite a departure from the three excellent shows that we just got <laughs> on this tour. Um, any, you guys, any last quick thoughts about the show or the main event i i really don't have much to add i don't care
3: <laughs> This six man belts in it like since bloody chaos lost them it's gone to shit to be honest but <laughs> are they gonna switch it i doubt it this has to, to a sweet spot in it
2: yeah but, but well, yeah. these, these never titles they they flip and flop all the time a lot We've seen in the past some like random units, like what was like Kojima, Finley, and Ricochet. Like, they'll they'll put like any like three guys together, give them a quick run. So, we have another kind of random team here of Hikaleo, Kanahashi, and Taguchi. Remember
0: Yano and the Briscoes? Yeah,
2: Yano and the Briscoes were (laughs) champs at one point. Like, they've had a lot of wacky trios hold the tiles before. And I mean, I could easily see them just doing another quick change, then do another change back just to do something with these titles, and especially with Hikaleo, you know, getting a push now, being a part of G.O.D. and Hontai. Like, they might want to give him his first title this way. He could be the Never Six Man Champs, get his first kind of reign there, and then build him up. He he could be Double double, Never Champion, depending on what's going to happen with the Carl Anderson situation.
0: Well, I'll tell you, Jeremy, I'll watch this show, but I I can't promise it's going to have my full undivided attention. (laughs) Okay. Um, uh, but moving on. So this past week we had NJPW strong autumn action night one. And um, or this was night two. Yeah, I think it's night two, yeah. Messing me up on the air with your notes, Jeremy. Night <laughs> two, and uh we had three matches. This was a championship edition, so uh quick um uh, results here. Doc Gallows defeated Che Cabrera in the opener, seven minutes and fifty-three seconds. Second match of the night, the NJPW strong open tag team titles. Uh, were defended as Aussie Open defeated Team Filthy to retain their titles 10 minutes and 8 seconds. And then in the main event, the NJPW strong open point title was on the line as Fred Rosser successfully retained against Chris Dickinson when the match went to a double countout, 6 minutes and 48 seconds. We did get an update after this uh, match earlier today. There was a tweet from uh, friends over at the Super Cast. And um, the tweet stated that NJPW has no plans to use Chris Dickinson moving forward per multiple sources. And I, I believe that those guys are very reliable sources. So uh looks like this might be the swan song for Chris Dickinson. Did you guys have any general thoughts about this show and this card overall?
3: Uh, yeah, I thought the tag match was quite good, actually. I'm surprised Kratos hasn't gone over. Like, I know they've got like, a big man in New Japan at the moment, so... Uh, i see why they're sticking around as strong. I thought it was a good tag match. And um, the finish of the Dickinson thing was really odd. Just having a double count. You, you would think they were, if they're trying to clear him off, they would have, like, just let Rosser get the win and pin him. But I guess it's one of them. Like, if somebody's got a dick in their name, and they're probably being a dick, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my view on it, anyway. Just, like, you know, it was just a just let give Ross the clean pin and game out of there and then go do what he, stupid things that he was doing, to, which he shouldn't have been doing, obviously, but you know, I, I, so. I, be, I
0: believe, the report that they're not going to use him again, but I don't know, Jeremy, I don't know what your thoughts were. This didn't look like the way they were ending the match. Like it was any sort of send off. It looked like they were setting up a rematch.
2: Well, you know, well, part of the problem is this was taped like what, like a month and a half ago, two months ago. So, right. when I'm sure when they initially taped it, they were probably like, All right, this is our angle. We're going to do like a no DQ match, maybe at the New York pay per view, or that's the, what it sounded like at the next strong tapings. We're going to blow it off in a big grudge match. But then they probably got so much blowback from using Dickinson, they were like, Okay, we're this will be the last match. We'll wash our hands of it and move forward from there he didn't win didn't lose we don't really we don't have to follow up on the story We can just kind of drop it and to me that's what it seemed like is going to happen here because it was clearly angled to build another matchup but i guess with all the bow black they're just going to be like whatever we're just going to drop it
0: yeah this didn't seem like a match where uh guy wasn't willing to do business so they needed to appease all parties and book something convoluted to save face it did not feel that and now that i'm not saying that's outside of the realm of possibility but it didn't feel that way it felt like this was the the first tease of a really quote-unquote hot angle these guys hate each other so much the ring wasn't enough to contain them they're gonna need to blow it off in new york in a new york street fight or whatever that's what it seemed like based off classic booking patterns that's where it seemed like they were going and then you know if this report is to be believed which i think it is then we're just not going to get a payoff for it. Which at this point I'm kind of fine with it because they really shouldn't have brought this guy back to begin with, unless unless like they cleared his name or had some sort of resolution to. And, and especially since recently there have been things that have been brought to light within the case, showing that the allegations probably are real. <laughs> like there were t- there were text messages where. Like, he admitted to getting physical with one of the girls. So it's kind of, you know, and that came out during Discovery. And, I mean, it's sort of hard to see those text messages and, and give, you know, Buddy benefit of the doubt. You know what I mean? Right. It's hard to it's hard to give New Japan benefit of the doubt when they've already shown a pattern of being willing to work with guys like this, whether
2: it's Michael Elgin or Marty Skrull or what have you. Right. And I felt this was very similar to the Marty situation, except the Marty angle didn't air. Cause they they did the Marty Angle and they just dropped it after they got the blowback. So same thing here, like except the Angle actually aired. They actually went through with the match. They got a lot of uh, you know bad press and people talking about it. So they dropped the angle. So yeah, yeah that was this week well, strong.
0: Next week we have NJPW Strong Autumn Action Night Three on October the twenty second. Uh, The matches that will be airing that evening, Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs versus Jacob Austin and Greg Sharp, Christopher Daniels versus Yuya Uemura, and the main event, Shingo Takagi versus Rocky Romero, our good friend. So looking forward to checking that out. And that's going to bring us to the news. So this past week, Katsuya Kitamura, former young line in New Japan Pro Wrestling, passed away at the young age of 36. I think this was shocking to all of us. And we had a couple of questions. Hawaiian Punch BB said, "R.I.P. Kitamura. What do you think his ceiling could have been if he stuck with wrestling? Seeing Great O'Conn being so emotional about his death, would have you uh, rather seen uh, Kata- Kitamura or copy Ka- his tag partner?" And Barry Walsh asked, "Hi lads, heard the news about Kitamura that he died over a day ago now. And considering NJPW 1972 is updating with results and the other news, are you surprised they haven't acknowledged his passing?" I know they might have been on great, they might not have been on great terms, but it's still surprising to me that it's not been referenced. So, guys, what are your thoughts about those questions, and then just your general thoughts and reaction to the passing of Katsuya Kitamura?
2: Yeah, pretty uh, sad news there. I was pretty uh, devastated when I read that. You know, Kitamura was a young lion who was on the scene when we started doing this podcast, and there's a lot of high hopes for him. And then, of course, you know. There were so many different stories on why he left and the injury or not injury or what he was involved in. Um, So, yeah, it's always sad to see somebody go at such a young age. And I don't know the reasoning for why New Japan hasn't mentioned him or put out a statement or anything. I don't know if there's some legal reason why they chose not to do it. Um, But it is a little weird that they didn't at least put something up on on the website. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it would have been cool to see him team with Ocon or, I mean, there was clearly big plans for him. They had that whole challenge series that he was doing right before um, he left, and it seems like he was going to get the big fast track, maybe have a quick excursion, then come back, and then be this huge um, heavyweight megastar. Obviously, we'll we'll never know what what was to be, but, yeah, very sad uh, thoughts and prayers to uh, Kitamura and his friends and families. Bash, what do you think?
3: Man, I turned the same age as Kit and Morda on Thursday, so it kind of really hits me hard because I was in a bad way last year with, you know, miss, you know, the COVID, and I spent three months in hospital, and doctor said I'm, I'm a miracle to still be here. So it just hit me hard, you know what I mean? Somebody in your own age bracket as well. It's just, it's, it's just, it's heartbreaking for me personally, because after what I went through, I couldn't believe it I was shocked just like everybody else they were shocked in it I don't know why you seen him would have been I think it would have been great you know if he stuck with the company it seemed like he won the young line cup and all that and um, you know sometimes things don't work out in life how you want them to work out but you know isn't he's a person he was a human being and he, nobody deserves to die like at any age but just that age just knowing that it's so close for me is so- heartbreaking it's awful that's yeah
0: that's what I'm this was a very very sad um and you know kind of on the heels of another loss for the company and Anoki, and then you know this one especially with the age was very tragic i know maybe some of the newer listeners aren't as familiar with katsuya Kitamura, but he was a monster um, uh, you know rookie a guy that was positioned to potentially have like a Brock Lesnar slash Goldberg esque run through new Japan. They um, definitely had plans and anticipations to make him a world champion. So as far as like, what was his ceiling? I think undoubtedly by now, had he been in the company and things worked out the way that the company anticipated, he'd already be a former champion and a top main event player in the company. Um, Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Uh, but for the time that he was here in the company, he was a guy that I really enjoyed watching and I loved his work. And, um, you know, it is it it was disappointing to see him not progress in the company, but it's even sadder to hear that he has passed. Um, the stuff with Great O'Connor, I don't know if you guys have seen any of the uh, interviews, but uh, they they were really touching, but also really hard to watch at the same time. And I I loved that he was doing the tribute maneuvers and things like that during his entrance into the matches and even though that it is i do think it's very strange the company hasn't even offered any sort of public uh acknowledgement or condolence as to the passing of kitamura which to me is in bad taste honestly i think at the at a very bare minimum there should have been at least a press a press release or something yeah but um yeah it's very very unfortunate and i'm sad to hear about it uh any any final thoughts on that No,
2: No, I think we're good. Okay.
0: Tokyo Sports reported Friday morning that Keita passed away on October 12th uh, with the cause of death currently unknown. Uh, He had kept a YouTube page with the latest video being uploaded on October 9th. So uh, best wishes and uh, thoughts, prayers, condolences to his family and friends. Um, Also, in other news, the OC, the original club, will be taking on Judgment Day in a match that is set with WWE for their crown jewel. <laughs> Carl Anderson is also slated to face Hikaleo that exact same day for the never weight title in Osaka. So uh, there have been reports that they are expected to finish out all their dates all the way through to January 4th at, at the Tokyo Dome. But this man, like it, it doesn't even look like he's showing up to have this title defense against Hikaleo. He's going to be working in Saudi Arabia, which is crazy considering what happened the last time they worked for this company and were in Saudi Arabia. Right. Which is also crazy because the last time they worked for New Japan, they walked out of the company when they weren't tied to a contract and left for WWE and they did the exact same shit like 7 years later. The only difference is New Japan put a title on the dude. Like and then they're like we trust him. So crazy.
2: Yeah, time time is a flat circle. Um yeah, is, I don't know what's happening here. I don't, I don't know the time difference between Saudi Arabia and Japan, but I, it's probably not possible for him to do both matches in the same day. Um, so I also I, knew Japan has not made any official announcement yet on what's going to happen with the match or the never title. But personally, I think they just strip Carl Anderson of the title, find another person for Hikaleo to wrestle, and have a, a never title match that way.
0: NJPW Rumble on 44th Street is coming up Friday October 28th and a couple of the matches that were confirmed we got Okada versus Eddie and Eddie Kingston teaming up to take on Jay White and Juice Robinson. Uh there will be a provisional KOPW 2022 championship title defense as Shingo Takagi takes on El Fantasmo and the the voting began Monday night uh for the two different stipulations. So one is a New York street fight with no DQ's or countouts, anything goes. The other Is a last daddy standing match, which is basically going to be a last man standing match, except for the title daddy is tied to it. (laughs) Um, There's also an NJPW strong openweight tag team title defense as the champions Aussie Open defend against the Motor City Machine Guns and Kevin Knight and the DKC uh, in a three way match. On top of that, there will also be a junior tag team title match that's been added to the NJPW. Battle Autumn show in Osaka. Three title matches are now slated for the no- November 5th show Osprey versus Naito for the U.S. title, Anderson versus Hikaleo, tentatively set for the never openweight title, and then the aforementioned junior heavyweight tag team title defense. Um, also, the IWGP World Television Championship Tournament semifinals will be taking place on that show as well. In other news, Antonio Noki's Memorial t shirt is now available for pre order on the Tokon Shop Global. Um this week at PWA Black Level Black Label presents, let's fucking go. Shingo Takagi will be taking on Jack Bonza this Friday, October 21st. Take uh check that out if you get a chance. And then Tuesday, October 25th in Portsmouth, Guide Hall, the Legion will be taking on Mad Kurt and Minuro Suzuki. And then, as we mentioned earlier, taichi challenged Kawada. We are waiting to see if that is just a, a little funny, quick, you know, cute him going to business sort of thing for himself or if this is something bigger and we're actually going to get a match or a program worked out of it so that is going to do it for the news jeremy take us to the questions and then let's get the back out of here
2: yeah so ghost of doc gonzo says with kenny omega being barred from participating in any way of triple mania do you guys think there's any shot of getting omega versus osprey in the dome if not who do you guys think osprey will face no they've been building it haven't they for quite a good while and
3: Osprey was grifting it at the meet and greets when somebody come up with a Kenny Omega t-shirt it was like, oh, it's not nice to meet you but nice to meet somebody else so i don't know I'd, probably not at this rate because there's not been much of a build coming towards Tokyo Dome unless Kenny kind of jumps on the plane soon enough but i don't know what the situation is him in aew so hopefully we get it but my at this point
0: yeah at this point we really don't know at all what what's going to happen i mean if it's a legal sort of standpoint then no it's not going to happen unless maybe at a different <laughs> tokyo dome show not this one um as far as who osprey would face in his stead i really don't know maybe Hey, maybe it's going to be a WWE guy. Maybe AJ Styles or Seth Rollins. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, there are other AEW names who are not suspended right now that they could throw out there to do a big match. I mean... do do Pac. I will say that, yeah. They were, they were teasing a match with Pac on, on Dynamite a few weeks ago during the, the Trios tournament. Uh, that would be a cool uh, match to do in the Tokyo Dome. But yeah, I think until something comes out about the case, I don't think we'll, we'll see Omega wrestling at all until it's all cleared up. Because, like you mentioned, uh, Conan said on his podcast, he had reached out to Kenny to do a, 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 a video after the Vikingo and Ray Phoenix match. And Kenny said he couldn't do it due to, to legal uh, ramifications of this investigation of, of the fight. So, uh, next question from. Lazy Binger, who do you think is going to win? Osprey versus Naito. In respect of who wins, who would be a good match at Wrestle Kingdom for Osprey if Omega is out? Is Osprey versus Shibata a possibility? Also, after failures in the last two Wrestle Kingdoms for United Empire, do you think they might do a every member is champion gimmick at this Wrestle Kingdom? Osprey as US champ, Ocon and Cobb as tag champs after defeating FTR. Aussie Open strong tag champs. TJP and Akira, IWGP Junior Tag Champs, and Hanare as a KOPW champion.
3: Oh, this is a funny
2: one, ain't it? because
3: you want Naito in the Dome, don't you? And you want Osprey in the Dome, so... It's kind of a catch-22. Like, whoever wins it probably gets a rematch at the Dome, don't they? Maybe, but I suppose that's not how it works in New Japan. Somebody's going to come out and challenge, but... Okay. Either way, you want those guys in the dorm sending tickets not you, and then t- who's night are gonna face? It's just a weird situation in my head personally. I don't know who's gonna win it to be honest. if Night wins it, then what's Osprey doing, and if Osprey wins it, what's night I gonna do? You know there's not much clear programs after this match is there, so it's just quite confusing for me personally
0: yeah it's it's just not clear right now. From my perspective i mean um my feeling all along had been that we were leading to an osprey omega match and that program needed the title to make it more meaningful and i even thought that omega should go over because osprey at that point would have had a very lengthy reign that's kind of all out the window at this point so maybe you could audible and put the title on naito if you have a potential champion or challenger you know sort of lined up and in place but um i i really don't know i i think right now i'm still going to bet on osprey uh, as being the guy but i don't know who his next uh you know challenger on the horizon is going to be uh, aside from that though um it's been a long time since new japan's done and every single member of the faction is a champion sort of gimmick and normally when they do it it's not generally at say a wrestle kingdom and this is something that used to get you and me jeremy we do our predictions in the early days of this podcast we kind of go down that route and i got burned so many times that i'm very reluctant to do a whole entire they're gonna sweep the night sort of um proclamation but i wouldn't be surprised if many of the members of united empire do win based on their poor performance kayfabe wise in the past
2: yeah, I agree with you on that point. With the, the Naito Osprey thing, it's so close to Wrestle Kingdom. I, I have a hard time seeing him do a, a rematch from that. So I think there will be some kind of angle to divert one of those guys into another match, depending on what the result is. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see some um, big success for UE come Wrestle Kingdom Seventeen. Uh, Hawaii. There was there was a, a
0: comment from. Kevin Kelly on commentary, and I don't know if it means anything or if he was like giving everybody a real hint, hit or if he was just kind of talking out of turn. But he said something about like even if Naito doesn't have gold, there are other champions out there that he could challenge, and mm. it like sort of made me think like, you know, bring over like John Moxley to wrestle Naito in the dome. Like, is that something that he's alluding to?
2: Could be. Yeah, he didn't make a comment like. Uh, the gold always seems to like follow Naito and not Naito following the gold. So yeah, who knows? Maybe that's how you get Mox involved. You know, you do a thing where Naito is waiting for his next challenge, who he wants to face at the dome. And then you'd somehow do Mox.
0: We also Man. never really did get the payoff for Mox and, uh and Osprey. And if you were going to bring in a big star from AEW, that might be the guy.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think I forgot about one guy as well. Like Tana, she's kind of not doing nothing much, is he? That's yeah. true. So they're kind of like, always well, we stick him in the dome, don't they? And he's kind of like sliding down the scale, isn't he? He had that U.S. title match last year, so that could be kind of his slot this year, maybe. I don't know. It's just a quick thought that I had about him because they always seem to shoehorn him in.
2: Yeah. Uh, next question from Hawaiian Punch VV. Do you think the prince of Saudi Arabia is a big enough fan of Haku that he'd want to see choke chokeslam Carl Anderson to hell at Crown Jewel and take the never title back?
0: <laughs> That'd be so crazy. <laughs> uh,
2: he, he also says Olympic Judo gold medalist Aaron Wolf has expressed interest in being a wrestler after his retirement. Obari, Nagata, and Okon are looking to recruit him. Wolf did say, as a guest commentator on a Noah show, that he only watched New Japan. If he did join NJPW, do you think that they would accelerate his young lion and excursion process to get him as a main player sooner? Will Gato instruct him to shoot on Okada to make him a main event threat right away, like Noah Ogawa, or what a shoot style team of him and Bolte to make the tag division more interesting instead? Outside of gymnastics. There is no outside activity that
0: I find to be more like conducive to creating good wrestlers than judo. So if if an Olympic judo gold medalist who loves New Japan wants to get in the business and they're and New Japan's courting them, I'm all about it all day,
2: every day, absolutely. Yeah, that would be awesome. But let's leave the Anokiism at home. We don't need him shooting on anybody. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, a shoot-style stable would be uh, kind of cool. I'm always down for shoot-style stables.
0: They can do a, li- a little bit of shoot. Look at the Creed brothers. It was fine.
2: <laughs> yeah, just dumb people on their heads.
0: <laughs> I mean, I re- I established that we are pro head drops in on this show, you
2: know? <laughs> uh, last set of questions here from Les Commission7252. He said what factions has the best chemistry against one another in tag and singles matches? For example, Suzuki Un versus Lij.
3: Hmm. That's an interesting question. I think like he's probably right with Suzuki Gun and Lij, they do to have a good chemistry between them. So like, kind of like I throw United Empire with like in that mix, they kind of like have a good chemistry with other factions as well don't they at the moment it's between those three i think like having inter-faction matches between each other singles or tags
0: yeah it's it's Lij and uh suzuki-gun hands down
2: just across the board yeah that's that's the easy answer right there then this last question if each of you would be going to the iwgp tag team championships which partner (laughs) would you guys choose it could be anyone from new japan AEW, impact or etc. I'll probably choose that new massive young line
3: they got. I don't know what his name is, but he's a tall lad. He seems pretty built. I think Zach was teasing him and kind of like bending him down to his height or something like that. I'll probably choose him. He <laughs> seems like a decent dude to have you back because I'm a skinny, skinny person, so I need somebody big. Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> How could I choose anyone other than Brock Lesnar, the former
0: UFC heavyweight world champion, the, the, like the baddest shoot fighter in all of wrestling, and also like the biggest, scariest, meanest fucking dude? I'm picking
2: Brock. <laughs> uh, I think I'm gonna go with the Stone Pitbull, Tomohiro Ishii. Y- you can't. He's
0: a loser. You guys are gonna
2: lose. But it'll, it'll be a great match, though. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You should have picked
2: Kenny Omega. Oh man. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for the questions. Uh, Bash. I want to thank you so much for joining us, giving us your live perspective from Royal quest. Um, Tell our listeners where they can follow you online and anything that you want to plug.
3: Um, yeah, I just want to thank you two both. First of all, for taking the chance on me, um, 'cause I'm quite unknown on the podcast. I want to give a couple of shout-outs to like people you've had on before, like Karen Peterson, Sonil from Sonil's Life, Rocky, me, had Chris Samsa, and now you've had me. So <laughs> you've had like like the best of the best. And I give shout out to the JCAS guys. <laughs> Cause um they're pretty they really helped me out during the time period when I was really sick. So I just want to give a shout out to them. And um you can find me like um at the broken point, and you can find my friend at, at breeze underscore shooting. And I ain't got much
2: else to plug, just
3: enjoy wrestling.
2: Nice. Um, so real quick here with the, the recommended match of the week, I know we've been kind of thrown off of that whole thing the last couple of weeks now. Um, I don't have anything new pick because I don't know we didn't really talk about what we were going to do with this, just push uh, it, yeah. Push so it to the next week, yeah, so all- we're almost
0: at the end of the grading period anyway, so we, I guess we need to like uh i mean we haven't formally like discussed it but i i looked at the the calendar and it looks like historic crossover event with stardom is going to be the final new japan event of this year's calendar for our voting criteria and then almost the, the very next day it goes right into tag leagues and that's historically been where we we cut everything off so got yeah, like a little what less than a month
2: yeah until award season yeah it's crazy
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh we gotta start getting working on that. But uh got some I think we got some uh good stuff to pick out, but um you know that's what a lot of the excursion match of the week is about. So I guess we should start picking the best of the best and uh hammering those things <laughs> yeah. out very soon.
2: Yeah, well that's gonna wrap the show up. Next week we'll be back to review more of the battle you know Autumn tour.
0: Let's do this. Since Kita Moore passed, let's watch His last match, the one with Nagata. Okay. And let's watch the match with okan Oka, where he won the uh, Young Lions Cup. Both quick, both easy. And we'll review those next week and then we'll jump back in the rotation off that.
2: All right. Sounds good. So we'll review those next week along with the rest of the shows from the Battle Autumn Tour and, of course, New Japan Strong. So if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping A Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KISTrongStyle. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. Follow the network at Social Suplex. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Social Suplex. On Instagram at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the pro-black guy. Y'all just Keeping A Strong Style. You can email me, jeremy at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One-day radio hosted by Rich Latter and James Boyd, The Grave Consequences hosted by Caleb and Maserati, All Things Elite hosted by Floyd and Austin, The AW Match Guy Podcast hosted by Sir Sam, and The Great Match Generator hosted by Dating Kugler. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review, and we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Itchy Bob.